Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 FM. And good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartney. As you heard in our pretty brand new still jingles, McCartney after midnight, I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early, what is it, Sunday morning or late Saturday night. You're still out and about that city that never sleeps. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan. And we're going to be together a lot tonight till 6 a.m. So why don't you uh, burn up those phone lines? 877-337-6666. I've got Pat behind the glass tonight. What, five weeks in a row? Love that. He's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls. You guys know that number. Load them up with your best content only, please. Please. And special guest for you guys tonight is going to be John Schmelk, WFAN's Knicks blogger, host of WFAN's Bank Shot Knicks podcast. We'll talk a lot of things New York Knicks. He also covers the Giants for Giants.com. He's going to be staying up late with us tonight, so we will discuss um, Steve Mills' reassignment, the Knicks going the Mets route, and hiring a former CAA agent to run the team, the mindset of the Knicks moving forward, and Leon Rose's influence on selecting a long-term coach. And maybe James Dolan played this song when CAA player agent Leon Rose picked up the phone on his call last week. We could be heroes, me and you. We could be uh, because as unattractive as the Knicks are and seem to be, we saw it firsthand in their failure last summer to land some big-name free agents – despite having one of, if not the best, amount of cash to spend to turn the team around. To win in New York, it would take a hero's effort, but there would be a hero's return on it. And, of course, that was a lesso featuring Tove Lowe, heroes. The Knicks are a bottom-feeding team in the NBA, yet a half a million people have come to the Garden this season alone so far to take in a Knicks game. In fact, the Knicks averaged the 11th best home attendance in the league. And listen to this. If 242 more people, on average, come out to the games, they would have the 6th best home attendance in the NBA. And they're 16 in 36. But herein lies the problem. James Dolan clearly reacting to the chance at the Garden of sell the team that ricocheted across the NBA, ricocheted across social media, reassigned team president Steve Mills this week, right before the trade deadline. Dolan subsequently said, this is a quote, I am not selling, but I am determined to find the right leader for the Knicks who will ensure the long-term success of this team, end quote. In his opinion, that is Leon Rose. Rose has been the agent for Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, so there's familiarity there, and Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe Dolan figures if the cash isn't enough, if the lure of New York City isn't enough, well, maybe a familiar powerhouse face will be able to seal the deal on a top-ticket free agent, or dare I say it, two. And I have another question. Who knew that Demi Lovato was inspired by the New York Mets ownership debacle to write her brand-new single? Lord, is there anywhere I need someone to buy the Mets. She's asking the question that so many Mets fans are this week. If it's not Steve Cohen, Lord, is there anyone that can swoop in and save the New York Mets? This week, 
all hope that the Mets would be operating like a big market team under the anticipated new ownership of Steve Cohen was dashed, shattered, crushed, or any adjective to that effect. The fever pitch elation of early December has frozen to an unprecedented level of frustration in early February. We've talked about it on here. I've said that if I was about to dump billions of dollars into an asset, I, and most every person, probably every one of you, I think, would anticipate some control or complete control over that asset immediately. And even if my buyout occurred gradually, well, then I expect my level of input to be increased proportionately with the percentage of dollars I'd be paying. Raise your hand if you agree with that thought process. The Wilpons seem to be the only people on this earth that disagree with that logical sentiment. As it turns out, Steve Cohen's $2.6 billion to control 80% of the Mets wasn't enough. Jeff Wilpon wanted total operational control of the Mets within that five-year transition period, is what they were calling it. But what kind of transition period would it really have been if his level of control wasn't going to change? So much of a transition, right? Then there are reports that he wanted to maintain a senior role within the organization after that point and for Steve Cohen to almost double his salary. Since we're all not billionaires, I was trying to think of an everyday person analogy. And I, I think I got one. Would you buy a house from someone, cash, Would you pay all of the day-to-day operations, electric bills, cable bills, food, whatever, and for five years continue to let that person live there in total control of every decision and every single dollar of yours? No. They'd be jacking the heat up to 80 degrees in the winter. They'd be leaving on every light all the time, and they wouldn't be taking care of your asset like you would have. There's also a report from Andy Martino that Steve Cohen tried to change the details of the deal last minute in last minute fashion. I got to tell you, I honestly don't believe that. And with the utmost respect for Andy Martino, I don't believe it. Because virtually the same thing happened in 2011 when David Einhorn was in line to become the Mets majority owner. The Wilpons changed the terms and the deal failed. Hmm. Then the Daily News is saying, this is a quote, Mets president Saul Katz brother-in-law to Fred Wilpon and uncle to Jeff Wilpon and his children want no part of owning the team and would prefer to sell. Among the Wilpons in the Katz family, only Jeff Wilpon wants to extend his ownership of the Mets. That's an end quote there from the Daily News. This, to me, boils down to a Jeff Wilpon issue. And boy, the Mets are in trouble. The Wilpons assumed majority control of the Mets in 2002. I was in eighth grade. Since then, their win percentage, 491. And in those 18 full seasons, they've made it to postseason ball three times, with one of those being a World Series appearance and a loss. And now I hate to do this, to pour salt into the open wound. But in that same time period, the Yankees' win percentage was 585, just short of 100 points higher than the Mets. And in those 18 seasons, the Yankees made the postseason 14 times. Two World Series appearances and one win, obviously, in 2009. And Yankees fans are upset with that. So with the sale of the team presumably still going forward, 
the Mets, that is, who will the new majority owner be? Well, the Wilpons, have no fear, have invested the help of Allen and company to help manage that process. And according to LinkedIn, and this this was a tip from at Kaiser Rose 10 on, on my Twitter, Robert, so thanks for this. He searched LinkedIn, LinkedIn and he said, he found, you know who's listed as an investment banking analyst for that same company, Allen and Company? Wilpon Bradley, Jeff's son. You can't make this up. So maybe there is, in fact, a glimmer of hope for the Mets faith, faithful. Maybe Demi Lovato will get that answer to that question after all. Here's some McCartan math for you. I think I might have an answer. You decide. Perhaps quietly this past week. Well, let me start with this. Let's do some math here. If, if Cohen was to buy 80% of the Mets at $2.6 billion, that would mean the total value of the team is $3.25 billion. That's cold, hard cash, right? Perhaps quietly this past week, the richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, Amazon CEO, sold off, guess how much? $3.5 billion worth of shares. Coincidence that he would just sell off just the right amount to buy the New York Mets in one week that no one's really talking about? Maybe it's a coincidence, but maybe not. I don't know if this is so far-fetched because in November, there were reports that came out that Bezos wants to buy an NFL team. And obviously, I know the Mets are not an NFL team. Maybe he'll cut his teeth as an owner in the MLB. Or maybe he'll just buy both. Wouldn't that be nice? Let me say that again. The Mets would be valued at $3.25 billion. Jeff Bezos withdrew $3.5 billion worth of shares this week. The same week that the deal fell through for the New York Mets. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading the tea leaves too much. But it's worth talking about. And this drama with the Mets is all such a shame because the Mets, as a team, they are very talented. In fact, I'll give you my top three things to watch for their team and for the New York Yankees in, in spring training uh, later tonight. And for those of you panicking because James Paxton underwent back surgery on Wednesday, well, my girl Taylor Swift has a message for you. You need to calm down. You've been too loud. Did you forget that the Yankees locked up arguably the best pitcher in Major League Baseball on a long-term deal this winter? Garrett Cole became the number one New York Yankees starting pitcher, bumping everyone down a notch. So the Yankees aren't to be without their number two guy in Paxton for a couple months. They'll be without their number three, and possibly their number four with the way Severino comes along guy. The rotation today looks like this. Cole, Tanaka, Severino, Hap. And to me, the question mark is next to the number five starter. Because obviously you know or might not know that Domingo Herman, an important player down the stretch for the Yankees, will still be serving his suspension and will not pitch until June. So Jay Happ with little confidence and a lot of work with a new analytics-driven pitching coach, Matt Blake, who knows? 2019 Happ was 12-8 and with a 4-9-1 ERA. But we aren't far removed from 2018 New York Yankees Happ where he went 7-0 with a 2.69 ERA. But baseball reference is projecting have to be more like 2019. Identical 
12 and 8 with a 4-5 ERA. But the takeaway is that they project more wins for him than for Noah Syndergaard or for Jacob deGrom, which they're both at 10. So you need to calm down because the Yankees are in a better position this year than last year to absorb J-Hap's inconsistent performance in their rotation. That is obviously due to their acquisition of Garrett Cole. And what about their prospects? Maybe one of them will make a temporary jump to the rotation. Davey Garcia is the Yankees' number one prospect, and he also happens to be, guess what, a starting pitcher. What I'm trying to say is that the Yankees have options. And about that impending Red Sox report, I thought that this past week would have been the most opportune time for MLB to release it right after the Super Bowl, but right before the report date of pitchers and catchers throughout the league. And now it seems we'll be talking about the results on it next week's McCartan After Midnight, which, by the way, will be on both Saturday morning and Sunday morning, two times next week. We can, though, talk about A.J. Hinch's sob story, the I'm sorry that I'm not really that sorry interview with MLB Network. I mean, what was even the point of doing that interview? To save face? Did it really accomplish that goal for him? I think not. So the XFL kicked off earlier today, and our New York Guardians are set for action later today at 2 p.m. Their season opener is also their home opener and MetLife Stadium. So I've got you covered if you're planning on going to the game, which on social media, many of you actually have told me that you are. This league is not a G League. It is not seeking to unseat the NFL, and it certainly doesn't seem like it has that WWE, or F as it was at the time, feel to it, which, my opinion, to be honest, I like. The league is to accommodate the 40 million people that said they'd still watch real football after the Super Bowl. So there are many different rules between the XFL and the NFL that I wanted to make sure that you were up to snuff with about the biggest ones, some of which I feel are great, others are Questionable, to say the least. And I was also thinking, I remember going to Boston on my band trip in eighth grade, and we walked around everywhere through Quincy Market and whole downtown. I remember seeing Red Sox stuff everywhere. Patriots stuff being sold everywhere. Bruins, Celtics. And eighth grade me thought, wow, can you imagine if New York had the one team that everybody can get behind? How huge and strong that fan base would be? I mean, in this area, we've had multiple teams to root for in every sport. Jets, Giants. Mets, Yankees, Knicks, Nets, Liberty's son. And even in the case of hockey, we have three teams. Our fandom is totally divided. Maybe we can get behind the New York Guardians. Let's hit the calls. All's on the table. Cannot wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. Phone lines are jammed. Awesome. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti. It's two big specials in the nighttime. Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m., it's John Sterling, Susan Waldman, and the Red Sox Joe Castiglione talking Yankees and Red Sox baseball at River Spring Health in Riverdale. And on Thursday night at 6.30, it's a special edition of the Sports Edge, hosted by Rick Wolf, along with special guests discussing the future of youth sports. Lock your radio in for both shows here on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM New York. I love this one. <laughs> if this song does not get you pumped for spring training ball, I don't know what does or what will. It is time. The Mets pitchers and catchers report to Port St. Lucie tomorrow on Monday. And the Yankees pitchers and catchers report to Tampa on Tuesday. 
and it is exciting time for, I think, both teams. I think both teams are going to put together um, really good teams this year. I mean, the Yankees, uh, obviously, with the acquisition of Garrett Cole, are probably the front runners if, you know, odds on favorites to win the World Series, just not get to it. And I think the Mets could be sneaky good, to be honest with you, um, if they figure out this this management and this ownership stuff. But um, I think the Mets could be sneaky good. I think their strength is in the fact that they have guys that can play a, a few different positions. I mean, you think of um, a J.D. Davis. You think of a Jeff McNeil. Those are the kind of role-player kind of guys that really end up making a difference in the long term. So we have jam phone lines, 877-337-6666. Let's head to them. Let's get aboard, and let's head to them. Let's go to Joshua and Flushing. You're on the fan. Hey, I have a question for you. What's up? Why not J.D. Davis as a catcher, as a backup? He has a great arm. He could also maybe do relief pitching. What do you think? Is that a serious question? Yes. <laughs> um, well, you know, think J- about it. He throws 90 miles per hour. And Norris in the guard needs someone to throw people out, stealing bases. Kenny, and he was a former relief pitcher, right? But 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 can he call a game? You know, there's a lot more than just throwing and catching a ball. If you're a catcher, right? You gotta yeah, you gotta call I, the game. I agree with you, but why not try it? Because he's not a catcher. He's never caught a game in an inning in his life. He needs, he needs a position, doesn't he? With oh all my god. Well, I you know I think there's a, a few guys Why that need positions. Let's just put him at at the one of the most important positions in in the entire field. Okay, I, I get the sarcasm. I understand. Uh, you make sense, but to a point because you don't know it till you try. Look at J two J T Ramuto. He was a shortstop, and look how great of a catcher he is. Oh my god! Oh my god, Joshua! Thanks for the call. Uh, he waited a long, a long time on hold to ask that question. <laughs> um, J.D. Davis will not be catching for the Mets, guys, in 2020. I can, I can assure you that. Although, actually, funny, he has two and two-thirds innings as a relief pitcher, you know. You know that. Standard pitching stats. He's got, a over two years, a three-three-eight ERA. So in a pinch, uh, he, he could be used in that situation. In a pinch. In a very difficult pinch, <laughs> might I add. But J.D. Davis, I mean, come on. Come on, you know better. That as a catcher, not only do you have to throw runners out, not only do you have to call coverages, not only do you have to um, catch the ball, frame pitches, and, and, and call a game. I mean, and now, as we're seeing with the Astros, with, with multiple signs, you know, like, you can't just plug a guy in to be a catcher. A guy with third base experience and left field experience. I mean, you can try it. Not at the MLB level. I mean, I've tried it on my team. You know, you pick the kid that's a pretty good athlete, you stick him behind the plate and see what happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but that's at the high school level. This is not on the MLB stage. J.D. Davis needs a position, sure. But my God, it's not going to be behind the dish. Kevin in Camden, you are next. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, what's up? What's up, Kevin? Uh, no, I said Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about baseball. Um, you know, when it says, but is this going to play first? That's what I read today. I was like, okay. Yeah, I've seen little, that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't expect anything from him, to be honest. I don't. Anything we get is a bonus. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this about the Wilpons. The reason the Mets didn't get sold 
is because the Mets are like Jeff Wilpon's little toy. Right. He can't let it go. And honestly, I just have a disdain for them. I hope eventually, before at least I get old, I hope that they do sell the team and uh I just want, I want to see I want to see this team win more than anything because I'm very passionate about the Mets. Right. I, you know, I'm, I'm I scream about the Mets a lot, and I don't you know, but I'm just ready to uh, I'm ready to get the season going, and I'm motivated to get going. So. Well, Kevin, thanks for the call, and and you know, Uena Cespedes, talk about a guy that needs a spot in the in a in a rotation in a in, in a lineup, I should say. Uena Cespedes, I, I'll preview it. He's one of the top four things I'm looking for in the Mets as they enter spring training. Because Yuenis Cespedes, if you're any, if you're on social media at all, you've seen him. He posted that hype video featuring audio from all of his his doubters. Some of them worked here. <laughs> I think Boomer and Geo, I think, were featured on that. Yeah, Pat shaking his head. Yes, he's in his contract year. Totally motivated by money. He's in his walk year. Come on, I expect a monster season from Yuenis Cespedes. Not many games played though, but quality when he does play. You know, provided that his heels are fine and that provided that there's no wild boars out there um, chasing him down holes. I mean, come on. But to be honest with you, Yuenis Cespedes, the Mets are better when Yuenis Cespedes is in the lineup. He provides him a little bit of flexibility. First base, I'm not so sure. I mean, Pete Alonso, maybe on a day off, an off day. I, I don't know how that would really work. Um, but Yuenis Cespedes, his bat, just having that bat back in the lineup or the threat of having that bat back in the lineup, I mean, there's some validity to it. Because Ioannis Cespedes is a pretty good hitter. Can't really run, but he's a good hitter. And, you know, the Mets could could use one of those, one of those kind of power kind of guys. They can. And because he's in his walk here, his contract here, I mean, he's going to be totally motivated to get out there as much as possible. And... If you're the Mets, that's more than he has in the past year and a half combined. So you take what you can get from him. Easy. Very easy. But what does that do? Uh, looking way, way ahead, I, I, you know, having Ioannis Cespedes in the lineup and say he takes off and has an excellent season, what does that do for the interchangeability at the trade deadline? Let's just say the Mets are going to be buyers at the deadline. What does that do for guys like Brandon Nimmo, who's always seemed to be rumored to be on the trade deadline? What does that do for guys like J.D. Davis, who we just talked about? Maybe he'll find a catching gig somewhere else on a different team. Maybe. <laughs> CJ in Mount Holly, you're on the fan. All right, Daniel. Let's talk about the ownership situation. Which one? You Which team? What? Oh, we'll start with the Mets. Okay. All right, let's talk the Mets' ownership situation. You know what? I don't want to hear about any potential deals. We have to assume the dirty Wilpons still have control. And when the title of the team changes, when there's actually a change in ownership, then I'll talk about it. But this is just ridiculous speculation. You know what? At this time, there's no deal. And you just have to assume it's going to be the same cheap old mess. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a guy like Bezos is not coming to the rescue right away. However, though, Danielle, I got to give you a lot of credit, though. That is an interesting theory. And you know what? It doesn't sound that far-fetched considering Bezos wants to get involved with professional sports. That's right. There is that. Yeah, no, that was a great idea. That's a great thought. I want to compliment you on that. Oh, thank you. 
I always try to think uh, outside the box. Just anything to help. Yeah, I like to think outside the box also. I always try to find something different on my calls. But, you know, going to the Knicks, you know what? With Rose potentially coming in, first of all, is he a done deal yet? What's the going on with that? Well, he's not a done deal yet. And as no, we learned, not. yeah, as we learned this week, it, it, it could go south real fast. All right, now with Leon Rose, though, the one thing that might work in the Knicks' benefit, assuming he comes to a board, is he has relationships with the players. Right. I think he's respected. Uh, even if he's not going to help as much with the scouting and drafting, at least he might help sign veteran quality players. You would think. You would hope. And yeah. may- maybe not the Brody Van Wagen and Robinson Canoes of the world, you would think. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unbelievable the stupidity that some of these organizations have. But, you know, looking at the Knicks, the one player I want to see between now and the end of the season, if the guy could play, I think he's got an above deal this year because he was sitting behind some veteran garbage who was just clogging up the power forward spot. Don't you want to see if Knox can play? Kevin Knox, yeah, he, he had 18 minutes on the first night game back from the, the trade deadline. 18 minutes. I mean, what are they doing plastering his butt to the bench? They're not, they're not learning anything about him. No, they're really not. I don't know. Sixteen minutes. That. I'm sorry, CJ. Sixteen. Wow, 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 wow. That's awesome. But you know what? Looking at the draft that's coming up, I like to look at the drafts. You know what? This is not the greatest draft, but there are a couple of potential point guards out there in this draft, including Ball, Lamelo Ball. Mm. You know, he's not playing college basketball. What would be your thought about bringing Lamelo Ball to the Garden? Uh, CJ, thanks. And uh, Pat just was in, was in my ear, and he said he was calling a game, and he was in what the Barclays Center, Pat? Uh, no, Steinberg is the LIU's campus in Brooklyn, but it's and, like five minutes from there. But yeah, he was uh, he was in the building tonight. Him and Lavar both, which was weird. Yeah, it was a relationship they have with the LIU's point guard. Uh, I think his dad is Lamelo's agent or something like that. I don't want to hmm. say something like that on the air without knowing the yeah. the full extent of it. But yeah, he was there tonight. You got him on the call in tonight. <laughs> yeah, he left. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Um, and I, I can't talk about any NBA players that I've talked to, but I've talked to WNBA players about um, going abroad and playing, and they say it's a different game. They say it's a, a more physical game. They, they say that they, it's, a, it's just different. The game of basketball is different abroad than it is here. I'm not trying to say basketball is soft here, but, I mean, kind of. I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, you look at the way defense is played here versus the way defense is played abroad, and it's night and day. I mean, come on. So I would not be opposed to a ball coming here, especially one that has played overseas, Um, only because, and I've talked to players at the collegiate level and the WNBA level, actually, some of the girls from Princeton who have played abroad, and they they just say it's a very physical game. They've picked up many different things while playing abroad. Um. But the problem with the Knicks is the fact that they're they have their 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 guys that they need to see, you know, like like when when it was time for Eli Manning, he was really on the the ninth hole of the back nine. Everybody was saying, well, you know, we need to see what you know whatever X backup quarterback has so that you can move forward and if he's the guy or not. I know I was saying it. You know, what does Kyle Lawletta have? And if he doesn't have it, then at least we know so we can move on from there. You know. I was professing that, not to start games, but to get into garbage time sort of things. But 
the Knicks are in uh, that same situation. I mean, they've got, I looked at the, the first game back and even a little bit of tonight's game in terms of the number of minutes. Julius Randle, who's got six years of experience, has, has played 30 minutes in that first game. Taj Gibson, 11 years of experience, played 30 minutes in that first game back from the trade deadline. Um, Reggie Bullock, seven years experience, played 30 minutes. I mean, this is just Alfred Payton, six years, 33 minutes. He played the most out of anybody. Yet you got R.J. Barrett. I, he, I know he's been injured in and out, but playing 18 minutes. You got uh, Mitchell Robinson in his second season, 19 minutes. You got Kevin Knox, second season, 16 minutes, 16, one six. I mean, that's, like, ridiculous. You have to know what your young guys have so that you can move forward. And the Knicks, the faster they understand that, the better off they're going to be. Okay? So if you're on hold, hang there. I will obviously get back to you um, right after the break. It's 877-337-6666 if you want to get aboard. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. It won't be long until another season of Yankees baseball is underway. Our first spring training games from Florida are February 22nd and 23rd as the Bombers take on the Blue Jays and Rays. John Sterling and Susan Waldman will bring you all the play-by-play here on your flagship station for the New York Yankees. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Working on a weekend like usual. Yes. All right. We are working. Pat and I are working on the weekend like usual here on WFAN Radio with you guys. 877-337-6666 is the number. We are we are full. We got to get to these calls. I love the Bergen County love, by the way, you guys on hold. So we'll get to you. Um, and, and, and someone just tweeted me. His name is Rick Brody, at Rick J. Brody. And, and this is the perfect interlude for what we're about to talk about. And I have to read this. I couldn't have done it better myself. He wrote... To me on Twitter, hashtag Mets. Well, pitchers and catchers are reporting tomorrow. Spring training is here, and you can feel the buzz in the air. Oh, wait. That's just in Houston. Good job, Rick. I like that one. Uh, but, yes, it's spring training time. The Mets are reporting on Monday. That Well, the pitchers and catchers are reporting on Monday, and the Yankees are reporting on Tuesday to Tampa. And it's just, you know, springs are coming when the groundhog, one, what is it, doesn't see a shadow, whatever, there's he he's anticipating that groundhog that we are going to have in early spring. I heard birds the other morning when I woke up. There's that, and um, and the fact that Noah Syndergaard is shirtless in Port St. Lucie. I uh, can't unsee it. It's spring training time, everybody. Larry in Bayport, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Danielle? What's up, Larry? Hi. Uh, that JD call. The guy that called about JD Davis. Was that a fake call? <laughs> I think that might you know have been a I've been on for 25 minutes, but that did make me laugh, so <laughs> it's okay. What do you got? Um, the thing with the Mets, okay, this is all Metsies. There's always something wrong that goes wrong with them. Um, what they're probably going to do is put J.D. Davis at first and have Alonzo, you know, they'll probably sit him out a couple of games. Mm-hmm, of course. And, you have uh, Cespedes. So that that won't even be an issue. Mm-hmm. As for the Knicks, um, Leon, it was it Leon Rose, I believe? Yes. Um, he uh, is close with Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. Yes. Yeah. So he's probably going to want Van Gundy. I mean, Van Gundy like- couldn't even sniff an interview when Fisdale was hired. So that would be a total 180. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> 
he um he he would want Van Gundy to be a general manager and Mark Jackson mm. for a coach. And you can have uh you leave um Miller in for assistant. I mean, I like Miller. I like the defensive approach yeah, that like he has to too. the game because, like, I I know you heard me say it. Defense is a little soft around the NBA nowadays, so I like it. Yeah, I I, I like it a lot. Um, as for the Yankee fans, they got to relax. <laughs> like you need to calm down, like Taylor Swift. <laughs> they they do they realize they got like Montgomery that oh. can cover his spot? Oh yeah. Davey Garcia, they got they got a few guys. I, I'm interested to see which which one of those guys steps up. It, it it's amazing because they're used to winning. That's the problem. And well, when they don't win, this is what they get. <laughs> what what do they get? You know they they all cry, and they haven't won in what since 2009 now. Yeah, yeah. So they got the best pitcher in well, not in baseball. We all know who it is. Oh, Jacob DeGrom. Oh, we're going to start this debate tonight. Okay. Oh, def- he's definitely the uh, best pitcher in baseball. Hmm. You don't think so? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to see I'd have to see Garrett Cole pitch in New York before I could determine that, I think. I don't know. Back-to-back Cy Young Awards. I, know. I, I know. don't know. Yeah. Un- unrivaled. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. I'll let you get going, well, Larry, and I really appreciate it. Of course, Larry. Thanks for the call. Um, and I heard, Pat, I don't know if you heard this. You were working earlier today, but um, Kim Jones was saying that she gets the best callers on the fan. I, I get some good call. It's it's really something to have full phone lines at 2.47 in the morning. I mean, those, and, and waiting on 25 minutes on hold, that's dedication. Yeah. I think I got some. You do get some. You get some really dedicated callers. Kim Jones also does get some great callers. Yeah. She also gets some uh, some interesting tweets sent her way as well. Oh yeah, and uh, as as do we all. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's it's always the trolls that 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 have a lot to say. The ones with no pictures on their profiles that have a lot to say, but they will never call. They'll love, never call. I love what Carl Banks tweeted. He I goes, saw. Make that. sure you show this to your daughter. Yeah, that's how you expect men to talk to you. That's right. That's right. And and one more thing about the Knicks. You know who else is linked to? Um, to their new uh, Leon Rose, John Calipari. John Calipari Pari said that, and this is a quote, that um, Leon is, is a gatherer. He's a culture builder. I'd help him in any way I could, being a resource. You want to call me and ask me about college players, my own players? I'm here. It just wouldn't be to coach. So there you go. I'm not sure if John Calipari would be coming here. I would love to see Becky Hammond get an interview. I mean, she's a Greg Popovich assistant. They always seem to do well. well. I'm sure you guys will dig up some sort of uh, one that doesn't, but I think she should get a look. She knows the garden. She's played it for the New York Liberty there. She's a Liberty legend. Come on. Pete and Woodbury, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Pete? Um, so it's funny, actually. Um, I called about the Yankees, actually. I spoke to someone. Uh, I was on the fan last night talking, but... You know, Les Cole made up a good point. And real quick, too, the Becky Hammond thing, that's interesting. I would love and to also see the, it. Yeah, why not, right? I mean, get a get a shot at least. Right, exactly. An interview. Right, um, right. And just to comment on two things you mentioned that kind of caught me off guard in the uh, your your uh, monologue. Um, the Bezos thing, that's mm. really interesting. That's very, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of ironic. A right? key little insight there, right? 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, that would be cool. Yeah. Even as a Yankee fan, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. And then the, the last call too with uh, that, you know, it's gonna come all year now. Cole versus Degrom. Oh yeah, all year. Okay. Right. <laughs> all right. Saquon so, versus Darnold. Oh, it's one of those evergreen yeah, topics. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um. So last night I called and I was curious about how the Yankees. We were talking how they're primed to win because they have players. You know, they win all. You know, big. There's a couple of big contracts called Stanton, um, but they have all the guys on the cheap. Right. Juxtapose that with the uh, Red Sox having to give up bets and Correct. unload the big contract price. Right. So it just got me thinking. Let's just say the Yankees in a few years, everyone has to get paid. Uh, you know, they do the team friendly deals with Hicks and Severino, but. Mm-hmm. Let's just say they have they, maybe they sign Sanchez, and it comes down to uh, the same thing with uh, Judge or Torres. Mm, see, who I, do you, who do you, yeah, I yeah. think yeah, I knew that was, the question was coming. I, I think that you keep Judge and Torres, and you let Sanchez walk. That's just my opinion. No, no, no. But say say they give Sanchez like a Severino deal, like you know, six years, sixty million. Okay, I just, fine. I don't know. He I takes just, that. I just don't see it. I just don't see Sanchez being the most valuable of the three, really. No, but I guess what I'm asking is if somehow they, they kept him for whatever okay. and it came okay. down to Judge or Torres and they had to make that hard decision, um, do they keep Torres because he's a few years younger or do they keep Judge because he's just an all-world talent? See, that's, and that's a good question. I mean, it's a hypothetical, and, and Pete, I thank, thank you for that hypothetical situation. Um, first, let me before I get angry callers, I do, I do not think out of those three that you just proposed, Judge... Torres or Sanchez that they would keep Sanchez if it came down to it. I think they'd be keeping Judge and Torres. But if they did for whatever reason like Gary Sanchez over those other two guys and decide to to, to sign him based on his, you know, after his arbitrations over whatever and then you're picking between Aaron Judge and, and Glaber Torres. Ah, I think I think you're picking Glaber Torres. I think he brings more of a, a steady approach. A more um, consistent approach to the plate than Judge does, and Judge is exciting. You know, of course he is. He can hit the home run ball like like anybody. But Glaber Torres has some pop in his swing, and he can also play second base. He could play shortstop for sure. He's he's came up as a shortstop, and he only played second base because Didi Gregorius was at shortstop. He was the established shortstop, so he gives you a little flexibility up the middle, which is rare. Hits for average as a player up the middle, middle infielder, which is rare. And the guy gets on base. Judge, I mean, I don't know how many times you you can watch him strike out on on that low outside pitch. I I just don't see how many times you can do that without him trying to make an adjustment to it. I know the guy has the biggest strike zone in all of baseball, from shoulders to, to knees. But if the question, that hypothetical situation was proposed, I think I'd be going... The um, Glaber Torres route. Justin in Floral Park, you're on a fan. What's going on, Danielle? How are you? I'm good. How are you, Justin? Good. Good luck tomorrow with your thing with the uh, football. Oh, thank you. The Guardians. Thanks. Yes. I don't know. Who are they playing? Philly? I don't even know, to be honest. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus. I'm not really following uh, it. I know. I forget. Oh, it's uh, um, the Vipers. It's uh, what channel t- is Tampa Bay. Uh, what channel? What channel it's going to be on Fox. All right, cool. Um, Yankee thing, I gotta, you know, it's this time of year, pitchers and catchers, I got a crazy trade offer, I want to know what you think. Oh, no. It's a little crazy, but, you know, hey, listen. GM Justin. GM Justin. GM Justin, who does not like his outfield, so here we go. Okay. Colorado, we're giving up Stanton, uh, Sanchez, the catcher, and 
I don't want to do it, but I'll say Garcia. No way. No, stop right there. No. What? <laughs> no way. No, that's, we're getting that's back? too much. What are you getting back? Arenado? Arenado and Blackman. Do you do the trade? No. Well, Blackman. No for the Yankees or no for Colorado? If you're getting Arenado and Blackman. Yeah. Uh, for the Yankees. To give up with that short porch? Yeah, to give up, who would you say, Sanchez, Garcia, Sanchez, I and can't, I, you know how I say, You know I can't stand Sanchez. I'm telling you, they're going to get rid of Sanchez because Garrett Cole is not going to like pitching to Sanchez. Oh, yeah, no. No. I, um, I, hate, that they, I hate that they lost the backup catcher to Detroit. I wish they would have kept. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, why is it? Romine, was it? Romine, yes. Yeah. Well, now that I think, you, I think honestly, Romine is a better catcher than Sanchez. Well, defensively, of course. But not offense. I don't. Yeah. Not offensively. But with that lineup, you don't need a, a superstar right. at every position. Right, right, right. And But the Mets, and, and they need Ramos Listen, there. I cannot stand Stanton. I never wanted him here. Yeah, me too. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. nothing for Stanton. I mean, right. honestly, if, if the Yankees knew that the Marlins were going to get rid of uh, you know the MVP, I would have traded for him instead of Stanton, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. But I honestly think this is a fair trade. I mean, Arenado's making a ton of money. He's making more money than Stanton, actually. Yeah, right. And Colorado wants to get rid of him, so why, you know, I just don't think Stanton's going to play the outfield. Yeah. I mean, Stanton, you're, right. you're liable to have him play DH, and you need more players to, you know, rotate the DH spot. Right, and that's one expensive DH. Uh, right, and I can't stand him. He's trying, he swings the balls over his head, under his knees, you know, I just can't stand him. I just, he is the laziest player, and he's like, he reminds me of a poor man's, who even though A-Rod won a championship, he reminds me of A-Rod too much. Hmm. Hmm. Well, t- let's get back to the original co- uh, question there, Justin. And uh, the question was, GM Justin is playing uh, fantasy trade baseball, but let's go with it. He wants to trade Stanton, Sanchez, and Davey Garcia for Blackman and Arenado. I don't know. I kind of like it. I mean, I kind of like it. The problem, though, with that in playing fantasy baseball here is, is the problem is when you look at the Yankees depth chart um, at catcher, I mean, if it's not Gary Sanchez, it's Kyle Higashioka and pretty much that's it. And Higashioka, I, I believe is the better defensive catcher of the two of them. Offensively hits MLB career 164. I mean, I know the Yankees can absorb um, a, a lean bat, but I don't know if they can absorb a 164 bat. I don't know. Um, I, I would say I would do it, I think. I know that's not a real answer, but I think I would do it, I think. Um, that's it. Um, so, you guys, there's a couple of you guys on hold. Please, please stay on. I will definitely get to you after the break. Uh, I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan here on Early Sunday Morning. Danielle McCartan! <laughs> Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66.5 Good morning, everybody. We are at top of the 3 o'clock hour. Calls have been great. Let's keep them going. 877-337-6666. We've had a lot of news happen this week. We've had, um, you know, that the Knicks fired their president and then hired. Well, we don't know yet. There hasn't been a press conference just yet. We learned that. Uh, the hard way uh, this week before we count our chickens before they hatch. But CAA agent Leon Rose is set to be the new team president. We got the Mets whose sale to Steve Cohen, as I just alluded to, has fallen through this week. All reports, well, not all of them, but my opinion is that uh, Jeff Wilpon was the reason why that deal didn't work. Uh, because he wanted to maintain total control of the team for the next five years, despite playing with 
Steve Cohen money. And, of course, you got the Yankees and James Paxton and his his big injury and his surgery on his back um, and how the Yankees are, are poised to ab- absorb that loss in their starting rotation. Garrett Cole certainly makes that a lot easier. But news that we did not get to at the Open was sent to me on Twitter. There was a video sent to me on Twitter by at SPIGO Spigo 7309 that the Astros were in fact today, it's a video holding open tryouts at Epcot in Florida. <laughs> of course, it is a bunch of people banging on drums. And the big news is, of course, that A.J. Hinch interview that he did on MLB Network with Tom Verducci. And we haven't taken any calls on that tonight, interestingly enough. Um, but I would like to get into that because, <laughs> well, we'll get into it. Let's go back to the phones. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Salvatore in Bergen County, you're on the fan. McCartan in the midday. How are you, <laughs> Salvatore? Parli italiano. <laughs> you know what? I've had four years of Italian in high school, and I can't speak a lick of it. Oh no, so, Bergen County. Where do you right. go to high school? Uh, Bergenfield. Oh, Bergenfield High School. Okay, okay. Well, you're from Bergen County. Oh yeah. All right. Best burger in Bergen County. White Manor. Oh, great answer. That was going to be my answer. <laughs> well, see, there you go. Just don't go in with a sweater. You'll come out smelling like onions. Ew, yeah, I know. Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> as, so, I, as I eat uh, my little bites here right now. <laughs> What's up, Salvatore? I'm eating my, my little so, bites. Little bites, love it. <laughs> so, talking Mets and big Mets fan, I'm mm-hmm. sitting here. I just, got, I just left work, so I was driving home, and I'm sitting here with my 20-year-old Met hat. Mm-hmm. You're the comeback for the Mets. I see there's several players that I got marked off for having a big comeback year. All right, wait. Let me guess. Uh, let me guess. Jeff McNeil, comeback year or year, big year? Oh, yeah. No, no. Jeff McNeil's not a year of the comeback. Jeff okay. McNeil had a great year. All right, so comeback, yeah, comeback. I'm not counting him. Got it. Edwin Diaz. Absolutely. Dylan Batances. Absolutely. How many are on the list? <laughs> uh, you got one, two, three, four more. Ooh. Four more. Okay, let me give you one more then, mm-hmm. and you can tell me the rest. How about Brandon Nimmo? Oh, definitely. Yes. Okay. What are the other ones? Uh, so I got Familia. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Familia dropped uh, thirty pounds. A trainer out in Bergen County too. Did you see that? Oh yeah. Hey, well, he. Well, I don't want to say where he lives, but he does live in Bergen County. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I know him well too. Um, so it looks Familia, good. Thirty pounds. He looks good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, who else do we have? We wait, have Robinson wait, Cano. Salvatore, wait, before you go into Robinson Cano, I just want to tell you, warn you, though, that skinny CC Sabathia, once he he quit the, the Captain Crunch, he pick, pitched worse than he did it as fat CC Sabathia. So maybe 30 <laughs> pounds isn't isn't the best for Familia. But go ahead. Yeah, but CC held it well with that weight. I don't <laughs> think Familia held it well. Oh, he ate a um, box of Captain so, Crunch a day, CC. Did he really? Yeah. That's my favorite and cereal, too. The- <laughs> Rips up the roof of my mouth. I can't do it. <laughs> um, so, Cespedes, obviously, Cano, yeah. and then Rick Porcello. Yeah. Well, that'd be interesting because they just, the Mets hired a new pitching coach and the analytics driven, and I'd be interesting to see what that guy can do with Porcello. Yeah, Porcello. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I got a few questions for you. So, who's leading off for the Mets? I would love to see Brandon Nimmo, lead off, Nimmo lead off for the Mets. The guy gets on base. Right, he so- works long at bats. Sees a lot of pitches. Uh, yeah. So if you got Brandon Nimmo leading off, you're going to bat Rosario eighth? Eighth? Um, I'd probably go, let me think off the top of my head, I'd probably go Nimmo one, 
two McNeil, three yep. Conforto, four Alonzo. I'd move – I'd have Rosario probably five or six. So I had – if Cespedes was playing, I had Cespedes fifth. Mm. I had Conforto six, but I figured there was no way they were going to pry Cano out of that third spot. Uh, Brody was never going to let that Well, out. I know. that Herein lies the problem. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you got Rosario as your number eight, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, absolutely. I got no problem with that. Backup catcher. What's the um, story? I mean, obviously that caller had it solved with uh, J.D. Davis. Oh. Backup catcher, oh, you've but, been listening since uh, then, huh? Oh yeah. Well, I was walking out of the hospital when I was leaving, so I was like, "All right, let me uh, give a call in." I've been I've been trying to slide into your uh, radio.com for weeks now, so finally oh, cool. I got in. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so backup catcher, um, any chance the Mets try to go after Jonathan Lucroy? I have been professing Lucroy. I'm glad you said that. I have professing Lucroy for literally like two off seasons here on the fan, and I would uh, love to see Lucroy in a Mets uniform. Absolutely. I do not want to see another. Sunday afternoon game where I got to look at Brand, uh, Brandon Nemo. I got to look at Thomas Nito batting in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot do that. Luke Roy, I would love for that to make it to, to happen. And I've been oh, saying yeah. it over and over again on here. Yes, I love that idea. Yep. No, absolutely. So you're the comeback for the Mets. I mean, I think the pitching staff, I I mean, Mets fan, 20-year-old hat and all, I think we have maybe the best bullpen in baseball. If everybody's all good to go, I, I agree. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So wait, you're a Mets fan or you're a Yankee fan? Well, I, I do root for both teams, right? but I grew up a Yankee fan. Grew up a Yankee fan. Yeah, I will right. never root against the Mets, for sure, ever. Were your, were your parents Yankee fans? My dad's a Mets fan. My mom just, <laughs> my mom likes who we, we all like, so she likes everybody. <laughs> Wait, so your dad was a Yankee fan? How did he handle you being a—I mean, your dad was a Mets fan. How yeah. did he handle you being a Yankee fan? Well, I don't really know. <laughs> he deals with it. <laughs> I have a three-year-old, and he, I don't know who's telling him, but whenever I talk about the Mets and the Apple going up for home runs, he yells, let's go Yankees. I don't oh know who's telling God. him. But, uh, I mean, I'm going to put him out in the garage. If it <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, Salvatore, thanks for the call. I hope you check me out next week, yes. too. I'm on every week. No, absolutely, Danielle. Good talking to you. You, too. And oh, we had another Bergen County caller on there. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? All right, let's head out to Levittown. Nick, you're on the fan. How's it going? First time caller. All right. First time listener. Love it. All right. So I have two quick questions. The first one is about the Jets. Mm. All right. So in the draft with their first pick, you know the Jets should draft offensive linemen. That's what they should do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you think it would be smart for them to trade for another first-round pick to get one of the better wide receivers that are coming out? Because we could definitely use a great, like, good wide receiver and a young wide receiver on our team to go with Crowder and if we re-sign Robbie Anderson. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, what are you giving up to get there? What are you going to give up to get a number one pick? Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I mean, yes. Obviously, yes. The answer would be yes because Jerry Judy is a more physical receiver than any of the Jets receivers combined. wide receiver. Right. Yeah, he's an amazing wide receiver coming out of Alabama. So it's like... Right. And but it would be great to, for the Jets to somehow, some way, get a first round, next year first round, get Jerry Judy. That would answer a lot of questions. Honestly, I think so on the offense with well, the offensive lineman getting drafted. Well, here, here lies the problem. I think more importantly for the Jets is is offensive lineman for sure. Offensive line, yeah. Even cornerback, like like on defense, I think that's also. Okuda uh, would be a great pick. Well, I haven't looked done a lot of research yet in any of the guys, but I'll go with that. You sound like a very um, yeah, informed oh, caller. Yeah, out of Ohio State. Yeah, mm-hmm. out of Ohio State. He's a great cornerback. Well, Ohio State saying, always I turns think, out some really good defensive players, so I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, they were saying about Okuda that apparently he's going to be the next Darrell Revis coming out and mm. stuff. So we'll see what the report the reports say. Let's see what really happens. But um, I have a second question about the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So I just have a quick question. Why did they re-sign Brett Gardner? Like, I understand he had a great year last year, but during the playoffs, when Brett Gardner is in the playoffs, he is not a good player. He strikes out a lot. He's just he's not getting hits. I don't understand why not go for a different left fielder for our team. Yeah, um, and, and I know, Nick, um, I, I was in the same boat, and then I started doing some homework on, on Brett Gardner, and I, you know, I get it. I, I do get it, but the deal... It's the first year is for $12.5 million, which is basically nothing for the Yankees. And there's an option for the second year, but they could dump him. And so it doesn't kill me. It doesn't kill me to have Brett Gardner on the team. He was a, he was a fine player. I wouldn't say, you know, he was a fine player in 2019. I, I looked at some pros, some cons. I mean, with, with the exodus of, of Sir Didi, Didi Gregorius, I mean, the Yankees need a lefty bat in that lineup. I don't care what you say, especially with that short porch. So, um he is that lefty bat that the Yankees need in the lineup. He's a good guy because he sees a ton in, a ton of pitches. And I, I, I was like, you know, I, I want to see how he stacks up against a, a bunch of the other guys in the league. Brett Gardner saw 4.33 pitches for plate appearance. You know what that is? That's fourth highest in the entire MLB. And, I mean, I don't know. He must be a good clubhouse guy because with CC gone, he's the only person... The only guy, including the manager, left over from that 2009 team. It's invaluable experience. So, although, I, and, and then the other question is, who else was out there? I mean, there it was really slim picking. So, I mean, although he turns 37 this August, his statistical projections are, are pretty on point to what they were last year for this year. So, I mean, I get it. But then again, all the Yankees were, were off in, in the playoffs. You had Edwin Encarnacion hitting, what was it, 045? I mean, literally, I can hit the ball better than he could in the playoffs. And I'm not joking. And then you had Gary Sanchez striking out with, with the bases loaded. And, of course, you had the, the trash bang, trash can bangs and the whistling happening from the Astros. So, I, you know, I'm not really so sure that, you know, this, this postseason, I mean, I get it. I don't know if that's the biggest knock on Brett Gardner. I think, with all things considered, I think it was a nice, it was a nice signing. Wouldn't be my top choice, but I would say it, it, it's it's nice. Frank in Long Island, you're on the fan. Hey, you know, realistically for the Mets, you know, I, I would agree that the bullpen would probably be better this year, but I don't believe that Alonzo will be nearly as good. I don't think McNeil is going to hit 340. I can see him hitting 300. I mean, the best players don't even hit 340. So I see regression in a lot of areas as well. I don't think it's realistic to think that the pitching staff, who has been as healthy as they've ever been the last two years, Expect for a third year in a row where every single guy makes all their starts like they did last year. So you're right. The bullpen will get better, but I also see regression in other areas. Therefore, I look at this Mets team as a 75-win team because of the division they're in. Well, but that's I will the say problem. somehow, yeah. some miracle, Yoannis Cespedes is healthy, motivated, and in shape. That can change the entire complexion of this team where I can even see them winning the division. If he plays 140, 150 games that he's healthy and in shape, I can really see them winning the division. I, and just to back up, and, and I, I might have to agree with you on that point, but I just have to back up and, and just just because that you don't think that um, just because Alonzo and McNeil can't keep up that clip, you're just, just because? I think they'll both be good this year. I think they're good players, but I don't think you can expect them to give the production that they gave. So, therefore, you have to subtract 
some of those wins based on the fact that one guy hit 50 home runs, the other guy hit 340. If you have any regression, which isn't a bad thing, I mean, the best players don't hit 50 home runs every year. So if they were to regress, that's obviously going to affect the team, even though they're helping them overall. So I look at the bullpen improvement. I believe that will happen. I can't expect DeGrom to win three Cy Youngs in a, you know, in a row. Right. The best pitchers don't do that. So realistically, if they can somehow get Cespedes healthy and motivated, and what I mean by not just motivated, but in shape, the right. way he looked in 2015 where he was really thin, I really believe that they can even win the division because there's something that's special about this player. There's a uniqueness of how he makes guys around them better and how guys are they're juiced and they're energized when he's playing. There's just an edge about him. Like a Mike Piazza where there was something infectious about him. It spread around the team. If somehow that were the case, something really special can happen with this team, like well, like what we saw in 2015 where no one expected them to do anything, mm-hmm. and they made that magical run to the World Series. So I'm hoping that it all works out for them. Well, uh, Frank, I mean, I am too. I mean, I am hoping that, that it all works out for them too. And just like you said, if, a lot of ifs, a lot of ifs with that bullpen, a lot of ifs with Juanes Cespedes, but if Juanes Cespedes is healthy and his bat is, is in that lineup, you'd have to think that I'm not sure there would be a lot of regression because – who who do you pitch to if you have let's say Conforto Alonso Conforto in the three hole Alonso in four Cespedes in the five hole who do you pitch to well, one of them is going to do damage one of those three and if you you, you choose that you're going to pitch to um, Conforto well Alonso's going to make you pay you know it's it, that, that's how that would work and then you got a guy like Rosario maybe bringing up the six hole who could clear the bases with a base hit. You know, and he's got some speed to him too. So I'm not sure. I'm not buying the total regression, especially with Cespedes' bat back in the lineup. It provides a lot of protection for a bunch of other guys. And don't forget, Brandon Nimmo is coming back from injury. And let me tell you something. That guy gets on base, and that guy scores runs. So there's a lot to be to be looking forward to if you're a Met fan. More your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. He is Marco Belletti. That's me filling your mind up with ideas. I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio in New York City from Lower Manhattan on this beautiful Sunday morning. And the callers have been great. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. We've been doing a lot of Yankees-Mets talk, which I love because spring training is literally right around the corner. And I would love to get into some XFL and to some, let's say, some A.J. Hinch stuff, too, if if we could. Um, Let me just tell you, maybe... The top thing that I'm looking for for each team in spring training, I would say the Yankees would be Gary Sanchez's defensive improvements because earlier, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, Sanchez tweeted out a video of him working on his swing, which is all well and good, you know. I think it was off a tee even. But if you follow me on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, you'll see that I somewhat sarcastically quote tweeted it asking about how his defensive practice was coming along. How, how he's going to be able to dig balls out of the dirt if he's working on that. How does that look? How is his progress on that? Because that is really a difference maker. I mean, that can win and lose a game. And you, you got to think guys like Zach Britton are very tentative when they, when they pitch to him because they, he has a lot of stuff that dives down, dives into the dirt. And I'd be tentative to throw that pitch if I had a runner in scoring position if I'm Zach Britton. And that's for sure. So top thing needs to be improved for the Yankees or, or what I'm looking for to be improved is Gary Sanchez's defense. And I'd say 
Uh, the top thing I'm looking for in the Mets would be probably how their bullpen looks. I mean, the, the addition of Dallin Batances, there's a lot of ifs. If the Mets get 2018 Batances back, you know, you know, form-wise, if Diaz is good, if Familia with his 30-pound weight loss does good, to go along with Lugo, Lugo especially, that might be the best bullpen in baseball. But there's a lot of ifs, and that's why they play the spring training games, to see. Top things for the Yankees would be Gary Sanchez's Gary defense. Also, like a close second would be the third base, um, uh, third base contest over there. Is it Andujar or Shella? It's Urshela's to lose, but what does Andujar do? What do they do with him from there? And then for the Mets, it'd be the bullpen. So let's go back to calls eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. John in Hasbro Heights, you're on the fan. Coach D, how are you? <laughs> What's up, John? Doing good, doing good. Hey, um. I heard somebody say McCartan in the midday. I, I like that. Ooh. I think that would that would work well. McCartan in the midday. I love the alliteration, yeah. so I'm behind that. I like it. Yeah, yeah. You take your overnight gang with you, and uh, you'll build a base in the day. It'd be awesome. <laughs> I hope. I mean, maybe. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think it can happen. But uh, great show, and I think you're on that track. Um, I'll tell you about the Yankees. Um, I, you know, I, the Sanchez defense is a great thing to look at, but you know, one thing I don't like going on with the Yankees is I'm getting superstitious because, as Boomer Esiason says, don't touch the money. Mm. And all I see is, well, the over is 101, and, you know, we're going to win 110, and it's going to be easy. And as soon as I see and hear that, I get, you know, it's not going to be easy. You already got Paxton with the with the back starting out, which, you know, things happen. Right. And they're certainly equipped to handle it with Cole in there. And, and I think they're going to have an excellent team, but... Um, I'm a little concerned about uh, the depth. I think Didi leaving, uh, I thought they should have signed him, especially if he would agree to a one-year deal. What did you have to lose? Right. And and that's what the Phillies gave him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, him not being there really hurts the depth because, first, if you get into the analytics of it, if you look at his power numbers, he was still tracking last year to the year before. It, it's all there. I, I checked it out. The, the second part, the only thing that went down was his average. Clearly his average was down, but – um, batting average isn't held as in high regard anymore as mm-hmm. it used to, analytically speaking. Right. Um, although I don't know if I agree with that, but but I thought he was fine and would have been fine. And and the problem is now with the depth, we don't know. Oshella, you know, he's great last year, but we don't know. We've got to see what happens. It's his job to lose, but right. you know, what do you got? We, we still don't know. It uh, having Didi there allowed you to rotate. It, it made Lemayu better because of all his talent. He can play three positions really well and move him around and. Um, so I just think they're kind of committed there, and I think it's good. They still have a nice infield for sure. Well, wait. He, uh, here's the thing. Convinced. Here's the thing. Yeah, what if you're What if you're the manager, right? And you, you know, I agree. Losing losing DD, you know that that's going to hurt. But you're also gaining Andujar, who you didn't have last year. So mm-hmm. Andujar, you slot him in. Let's just say at third base, right? Then you have Gio Urshela, who can play, who has played at the MLB level, second, short, first, mm-hmm. and third. He's played in left field. And left field. So he's played a ton mm-hmm. of different positions. So maybe, maybe that's what the Yankees were looking at when they decided to let Didi go. I don't know. Could be. No, and if, hey, if that worked, and, and Duhor, we know what his bat is. He's excellent. And I think he will hit. You know, the question's the glove. Right. And uh, if he can come back from that. The other thing is I know he's working out at first base and left field. So if he's hitting and he can handle first base at all and be at least serviceable, that could work too because – I'm not really that trustful of the Luke Voigt, um, Mike Ford combo over there. I, I just don't know what that is yet. I think yeah. Voigt's a good team player, but and and he's a great guy to have, 
you know, but oh, the longevity of it, I, I'm not sure how effective he'll be for for the for the long runs. And and he is a little bit injury prone too. So um, we'll see what happens. I just I think Didi being out hurts the depth and 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 of course the left hand bat. And this is an all star caliber player. So uh, we'll see. But you might be right. Absolutely. Hey, uh, the other thing is with the Mets, the Cone deal, and you know. Uh, I'm not defending the Wilpons whatsoever, so I don't want anybody to think I am because we know the story there with the fan, and the fan base has been not not treated well there. But you know, I looked it up just for the facts, and on December fourth is when the first one of the first releases came out, and it was from Cone's team from the Sterling people, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that put out they agreed to this deal with the Wilpons staying in five years and all that. So they were clearly aware that going in. You know, because I'm sitting here going, why is this coming up now? Why is this a problem now? Because originally they agreed to the five-year window uh, with the Wilpons. Now I couldn't understand why they would do that because if I'm them and I'm putting in all that money, I want control. Right. So I, I really didn't understand why they did it. But if you look at it, they announced on their side about the five years, so they clearly knew. And I think they looked at the deal and said, you know what, we don't like this. I, I want control if I'm putting in this money, and I don't blame them. But I think they're the ones that threw the monkey wrench in, and I, of course, Jeff Wilpon being involved is not good, but um, that's just what I took out of it. Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if it was a, an agreement of total control or gradual control over years. I mean, it didn't say, right? It didn't say? So no. I remember seeing t- it. They're, they're, yeah, they were going to hold the control with the Wilpons for five years. He, he was going to put money in, and then after five years, take it over fully, And which, again, I didn't understand that. But, um, but here's the silver lining for the Met fan is – is I'm not so sure how that would have worked. I know he's like, you know, deep pockets, billionaire and aggressive. And yep, he would have put you in the running for free agents and, and like a Mookie Betts or, or people like that, which they don't do right now. I get that. But you know what? You're also dealing with the other side. This is a type A. I get whatever I want. As a Yankee fan, I went, we went through this with George Steinbrenner and, 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 you know, George got a couple of championships early in the first five years of, of his ownership, but we know what happened between, 79 and 96 mm. and that was a black period and if not the commissioner suspending him it may never have opened up because you know he was he was crazy he was doing a lot of bad trades he was you know firing and hiring the managers general managers it was very tough and so those types there comes another edge to that sword that might not be so good so uh and you can have a lot of money to spend but you also have to make the right decisions and spend it right and that doesn't always happen well, so you're right about it may, that. It may, it may work out in the end. It may work out in the end for them. Well, that's that's uh, something that they could be looking forward to for sure. Hopefully, absolutely. John, thanks for the call. All right, Coach D. Yep, you take care. And let's head out to Queens, where the Mets play their home games. Ben, you're on the fan. Good morning, Coach D. And let me do my quick guarding the goalpost segment. Oh. Um, <laughs> Cardell Jones and PJ Walker impressed me today. Yeah, I'm pr- actually, wow. Cardell I Jones was- on the run, huh? Hey, I, I was just like, I mean, P.J. Walker, I had to strain to think about. I was like, P.J. Walker, well, I, I don't remember. And then, <laughs> boom, it popped into my head. And Carl Jones, I thought he was still in the NFL. I yeah. did not know he was in, in the XFL. So, you know, that, that <laughs> I thought he was on one a practice squad somewhere toiling away. So, you know what? Both games were fun. The kickoffs are going to get uh, take a little game used to. I love the point after thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I, the, yeah, the it's po- like well, well, for anybody that's un- unfamiliar with it, you get um, your choice of if you want to run a one point, a two point, or a three point, and they like move backwards based. I think the one has to be a run, but the other two could be a pass play, and I oh, kind of like it. It makes you put your money where your mouth is. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, the and the the freewheeling nature of the offensive plays. Yeah. That that's going that's going to be interesting, especially with everybody mic'd up. Does this mean coaches are going to be changing terminology every week? Since since yeah, uh, by by you know that that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to play out. But mm-hmm. for anybody that this is, I I had an uh, arena arena football slash CFL kind of love for this. So it, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's very entertaining today. In terms of Mets. Uh, I had you on while I was looking at Toonami tonight, and you had the perfect analogy. That Renta analogy for the Mets situation is, like, perfect. Like, this dude thought, I'm going to sell the team but still have full control. I know. How is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, I mean, once you sell the team, dude, you've sold the team. You're done. You're you, out. <laughs> you know, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, seriously, just look, look, look. I, I, I know. I, I, I don't know what the money situation is. You know, when rich guys get into fights, poor people usually get run over. But with this one, this is so dysfunctional right now. You know, it, it's it's hard to say, but Magnin might be the most stable guy right now in the Mets front office. Van Wagenen, you think? Oh. <laughs> And you know how how really really psychotic that is to say out loud. But if you look at it, he's the guy that okay. I'm thinking about the season. I'm thinking about the season. I'm thinking about the season. Nobody trusts me. I'm an agent. I'm thinking about the season. Where's the Wilpons heads at? How you make this deal in the first place without reading the fine print? You know, I mean, Cohen Cohen knows what he wants. He wanted the Mets, or at least he wanted in on baseball. Well, well, he's a minority owner. He's he's got an eight percent stake now. Exactly. I mean, and he wanted to increase his stake, Mm -hmm. and and he wanted to have a majority share. If he has the majority share, how you think you're going to still have control of the team? Uh, Mind boggling. And finally, coach, (laughs) I will I will say this. I I I want to do a little Knicks. You know what? I'm liking the effort of the team right now. All right, they just gotta keep on doing this. We would they uh, uh, speaking of front office turmoil. The Knicks gonna have all the front office turmoil they want. Okay, my thing with them has always been the uneven effort on the court. Well, yeah. Uh, I could take losing if I know my team is giving an effort, a, a good effort every night. You know, I could take losing like that. The problem is with the Knicks is when you sell down to watch, it was like sporadic. Well, yeah. for the last over the last ten games, this team more often than not has been fighting, and and you know what? That does my heart good, Coach D. Good luck tomorrow to or later today to to our boys the and their debut, and and enjoy. I'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. And the the thing is with the the Knicks. You want to see the young guys play, and the young guys are the ones that are going to put the effort in because they're trying to make a team. Right. Mario in New Rochelle, you're on a fan. Well, hi, uh, two points I want to make. First of all, the Wilpons are terrible. They don't care about the Mets at all because we had the perfect owner here, and we had the perfect owner, this guy, Colin. He's from New York. He's a Met guy. He has a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they didn't make the deal go through. So the Wilpons don't care anything about the Mets. Second point I want to make is about the Knicks. I would love the Knicks. To put a starting five on the floor every night and don't change it. Because, you know, I'm a guy from the, I, I, I watched the 69 Knicks win the championship. Mm-hmm. 
And they had the same starting five every, every night. I knew who my point guard was. I knew who my center was. I knew where DeBusha played. I don't get that with the Knicks anymore. Every night it's a different lineup. Well, that's a great point because, you know, as a coach, and thanks for the call, Mary, I appreciate it. And as a coach, you want to put a a, a group of people out there that, you know, gels together and they they play together and they they know each other's tendencies. And, I mean, I agree with that. The problem is that the Knicks don't. (laughs) And when you you get a a group of players out there that, that know how each other play, build that chemistry, good things only can happen from that. And what I'm seeing with the Knicks is they're putting guys out there that are on these one-year deals that are, that are very experienced in the league, and they're getting a majority of the minutes. At this point, I'm not saying tank. I'm saying that at this point, the objective should be to see what your younger guys have and what they could bring to the table. Because without knowing that, you don't know what you need moving forward. And the Knicks have, what, six, seven first-round picks over the next four years? If they don't know... What they have, how are they going to be able to know who to pick at which position and when? That's the thing. And we'll continue the next talk um, right after uh, the other side of this break with John Schmilk. He does the uh, Bank Shot Knicks podcast here at WFAN. And we're going to ask him. We're going to ask him all the important questions. And I know he's going to have the answers. So keep tuned in. Uh, if you want to get on the phone after that interview, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. And we're going to welcome John Schmelk now into McCartan After Midnight. John, thanks for staying up so late with us. Um, John Schmelk is the host of the Bank Shop podcast with the New York, or for the New York Knicks here on WFAN. And John, thanks so much for staying up late with us. Yeah, yo, happy to. You can also find my stuff on uh, Giants.com, and the Giants have their own podcast network, too, so you can check that out. We have Big Blue Kickoff Live, our, our daily call-in show, and then we have the Giants Huddle podcast as well, so you can find that on Giants.com slash podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms. Cool. All right, so we're here to talk about the Knicks tonight, and now Steve yep. Mills, I, I, he, I hear this narrative that he's been fired. He hasn't been fired. He's just been reassigned, and I understand why, if you're the Knicks, you don't want him in charge of your trade deadline deals, but... Since he took over, the Knicks have had a 32% winning percentage, worse in the NBA. He cleared the max cap space in 2019, landed exactly zero top free agents. But why create the chaos and relieve him just two days before the trade deadline and not let him go with Fisdale? Well, my guess is that the reason they let him go is that James Dolan had plans to, at some point after the year, make a move at at president, and he was not going to be there beyond this season. And once Dolan had that in mind, and Steve Mills came to him with ideas of trade offers that would drain the war chest of assets for future years of draft picks and young players to try to win this year, mm-hmm. when despite their four-game winning streak, this year is, is a lost season, you can't let him stay in place. Yeah, Dolan could have sat there and vetoed those trades, but if you're not letting your president run the team and you have to basically shut hit down what he wants to do. What's the point of leaving him in place to run the team? So uh, I think that's why he made the decision when he did. Uh, is it chaotic? Yeah. Is it ideal? No, but that's kind of the Knicks and how they operate. <laughs> you know, by the way, there's this name that's been floated around D'Angelo Russell. Was there any real progress on him? And is that really a direction they wanted to go in? I think Steve Mills did. Uh, every indication I have is that 
until Steve Mills got canned, they were looking to go there. And it sure sounds like Steve Mills was willing to offer future draft picks to land him. And I think that's probably one of the things, again, based on a lot of the stuff I've seen, uh, that led to their decision to move on from Mills when they did. Now, the Knicks went the Mets route, and they're about to hire. It's not confirmed just yet, as we learned all this week. You can't count your chickens before they hatch, but they're about to hire CAA agent Leon Rose as the new team president. And this is not the first time in NBA history where former agents turned executives have done nice work. Point to Bob Myers with the Warriors, Rob Palenka with the Lakers. Off the top of your head, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but are there any other former agents turned executive that didn't do a good job? Uh, Arn Tellum with the, with the Pistons. Uh, he basically was in charge of that franchise, more or less, and it did not go well. And he was almost as successful as Leon Rose. And let's be honest, Rob Polinka hasn't exactly, you know, been fantastic with the Lakers. LeBron James went there. Polinka had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And then he traded literally Anthony Davis. So I don't think Rob Polinka has exactly showered himself in glory. Um, anybody can do well if LeBron James just decides to show up at your door as a free agent. And then Bob Myers, he's done a nice job. Don't get me wrong. He's done a real good job there. But they also drafted Steph Curry and Klay Thompson before he became the full-time general. I, I don't really get that wrapped up in the precedence. I think each individual is different. And I don't think anybody has any idea right now whether or not Leon Rose is going to do a good job. He might be great. He might be terrible. And I think a lot of it, Danielle, has to do with whether or not he hires good people underneath him that actually know how to run an NBA organization. You know, who's going to be a general manager? Who's he going to hire to do player development? Things like that are going to be very important. The New York Knicks seem like a... a... A big stage to cut your teeth as a as the head of a team here, though, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a risky outside the box decision by James Dolan, and I, it's funny people go, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes you just got to take a chance. And I said, or, or or not just take a chance, but do something different. Well, the Knicks have been doing stuff like this forever. The last time they actually hired somebody to run their organization that had done it before and done a good job was Donnie Walsh, and that was someone the NBA forced on him. Phil Jackson never did this job before. I mean, uh, I mean he just didn't. So, I mean, this is, this is not the Knicks doing something different. This is the Knicks doing the same type of thing, but just doing it in a different way. And hoping it sticks. <laughs> yes. So this this Leon Rose thing, it, it, to, in my opinion, maybe you could say differently, but in my opinion, it kind kind of came together pretty quickly. I mean, you know, he's he's let go. What is it? Two days before the the trade deadline, and then they've got Leon Rose. You know, sort of kind of in place. His name was already out there to begin with. Why do you think it came together so quickly? I don't know, uh, and I think it's a great question. Uh, I didn't understand the rush either. But if James Dolan had in his head this is the direction he wanted to go and Leon Rose agreed to do it this quickly, um, I guess that's why it came together as quickly as it did. Remember, the Nixon CAA Creative Arts Agency, which is the agency that, that had bought Rose's practice previously and he was now an agent under their umbrella, uh, they had done a lot of business together before. You know, Rose was Carmel Anthony's agent. Mm-hmm. He was J.R. Smith's agent. Um, some other, you know, smaller players, lesser players, Andrea Bargnani, Chris Smith. Uh, Rick Brunson, if you go back, you know, a long, long way for the Knicks. Eddie Curry. I mean, this is a guy that's repped a lot of guys that has been around the Knicks. And if you go back, you know, they credit Leon Rose for orchestrating the Barniani trade. Uh, they credit him for bringing on J.R. Smith's brother, Chris Smith, just to make J.R. Smith happy. Uh, Mike Woodson was a CAA 
clients, the Knicks' former head coach. So uh, there were jokes that CAA basically ran the Knicks when you know Mello was here early in his career in like the 2014-2015 seasons, and now they're just going to do it officially. Now, moving forward for the Knicks with the future in mind, I hope that's how they're operating. They've got seven first-round picks in the next four years, which is so many assets. For the Knicks, maybe they aiming for a disgruntled star. Who would you say is like the top three that you might think might be disgruntled? And I know this is a stretch, but might end up in uh, in Knicks blue and orange. Yeah, and I and honestly, and I'll and I'll give you some names at the end of this answer. But I think this is what worries me about this decision because if you're going to go hire a big time player agent, I think you worry that the Knicks are going to just try to go star hunting here and give up on the slow building that they've been trying to do over the last couple of seasons, couple of seasons, which has, you know, gotten all those assets into their war chest to try to make moves here. And I think for a team to go from being a really bad team, which the Knicks are, to becoming just a mediocre team, you need to do that through the draft. To get the 40 wins, you need to do that through the draft. Then you make trades. Then you sign free agents to go from 40 wins to 50 wins to contention. And I'm afraid if they go and they try to, you know, start with the trade where you trade for a star that'll cost you assets in the trade, and then that star also takes up salary cap space. It's going to be very hard to add the necessary talent around that player to become a contender. Um, so I think it's important that they find these players in the draft first. Uh, and then add around them afterwards. But to your point and to your question, uh, I think a lot of people thought about Coy Anthony Towns, right. another one of Leon Rose's clients, by the way. But now that the Timberwolves have gotten D'Angelo Russell, which, by the way, I do not think is a very good fit, I don't think they will win a lot of games together. But I think that will buy a year or two before Towns or Russell demands a trade. Uh, I think Bradley Beal is somebody that that could get annoyed at some point if the Wizards continue to lose. Uh, I would not, if I'm a Knicks fan, do not get wrapped up to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a chance he comes here as a free agent in 2021. Some Knicks fans might live on that dream. Uh, I don't. I, I think it's almost a waste of time, to be quite honest with you. You're, you're crushing dreams of all Knicks fans that are listening right now. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, does uh, Donovan Mitchell want to stay in Utah uh, long term? I mean, there's no sign that he's disgruntled. The Utah's a good team. But historically, you know, guys don't sign long-term deals in, in Utah and stay there a long time. So, mm-hmm. look, I, I think it's a wait-and-see thing, and that's why you obtain assets like this, because you just don't know when somebody is going to do and pull what Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and guys like that have pulled over the last few years. Maybe James Dolan is trying to outsmart the competition with Leon Rose's experience as a, an agent. I think in his eyes it might be attractive, and I think the Knicks, as best as my knowledge, still have – a lot of cash to spend. Is that an advantage? I think that is what James Dolan thinks, and I think that's a scary proposition because to me, Danielle, there are three things that make a team attractive to free agents. One, the money. Mm-hmm. They're not going to come if you're not paying them. The Knicks have cap flexibility, so that's good. Two, the organization has run well, which we don't know what it's going to be with Leon Rose. Is James Dolan going to give him full freedom? Is he going to be able to hire whoever he wants? Is he going to hire a good GM? Is the player developmental staff going to be good? We talked about this before. We don't know. And then three, is the team going to be any good? Players don't want to come to bad teams. So we know, number one, and they should have the money as long as they don't blow their cash base this summer on a weak free agent class, but will the organization be trusted and sound, and will the team be any good? 
That's way more important than Leon Rose having relationships around the league. Just because people are friends with him and think he's a good agent, they're not just going to gift players to him in trades. We're talking with John Schmelk here on WFAN Radio, and I guess my final point would be, you know, obviously Leon Rose is not only has to find all of those things, but he also has to find a new head coach. And I know that he's linked with John Calipari, but I saw Calipari said on Friday, he said, this is a quote, I'd help him in any way I could, being a resource. You want to call and ask me about college players, my own players? I'm here. It, it just wouldn't be to coach. That's an end quote. Do you think this is the truth or a ploy? Look, I, don't, I mean, John Calipari is in the middle of the season with Kentucky, so he's not going to say, oh, I'm going to go coach the Knicks now. Um, I mean, I think you have to take the guy at his word, right? Am I going to say there's a 0% chance Calipari eventually comes to the Knicks? No, because you just don't know in this business what happens. I would not count on that. Uh, you know, reports are that he's very close with Jeff Van Gundy. He's very close with Mark Jackson. He's very close with Tom Thibodeau. So keep an eye on those guys. I would stay so far away from Mark Jackson, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I think the league has passed Thibodeau by a bit, to be honest with you. And I don't know what Jeff Van Gundy has. He hasn't coached in a really long time. So I think that's a really good question. I don't know who he would hire as head coach. I don't think anybody does. Um, but I think, frankly, Mike Moore's done a good job. And I think he at least deserves a look. He's shown he's competent. Look, no one's going to be excited to say, oh, Mike Miller's going to be the coach. They want a big name in there. But I think he's done an okay job. But you're right. I did not mention the head coach, and that is a really, really important position that Rose is going to have to fill whenever he eventually takes control here. And I also think his press conference is going to be interesting because he needs to put his vision as to how he wants to build this team, which I think is really going to be important. And, you know, before I let you go, my final question is this. And, you know, with the Knicks operating with the, the future in mind, I mean, I'm a little dismayed when I see guys like Julius Randle getting a lot of minutes, Taj Gibson getting a lot of minutes, because you have to look beyond that and see what the bench is, don't you, at this point? Yes. Yeah, it, 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 it's infuriating. Um, my daughter, unfortunately, is sick this weekend, so I had to DVR uh, the game, and I honestly just got through it about 15 minutes before this interview. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Wayne Ellington play almost 30 minutes in this game. Right. Uh, Frank Nielkina played under 20. Dennis Smith played under 20. Knox played under 20. Damian Dotson didn't even play. While all these guys that are on one and two, you know, one plus one non-guaranteed contracts in the second year getting all these minutes. And, yeah, it's wonderful they're winning games great. But what is that really doing for your future? You're not seeing what your young, your really young guys, you know, 25-year-old guys aren't old, but they've been in the league a while. You kind of know what they are, right? You want to try to figure out exactly what these other guys are and give them time to improve and become better players. And they're just not doing that. And on top of the fact they're not getting those guys development minutes, you're winning games with these veterans with the Knicks. Right now, they're not even picking in the top five in the draft. And they're only like two games or so in, in, in front of the team with the ninth worst record in the league. So you're going to be looking at a situation where your young players haven't developed, not doing well, and you're picking like 10th or 11th, and you're picking ninth or 10th in the draft. No man's that land. That is an utter disaster yeah. if that happens. Yep. Well, that's uh, that's not a good situation here for the Knicks. So hopefully, you know, with a restructuring, Leon Rose, and hopefully it'll be a little bit better, you would have to think. Knicks fans always say it's going to be a little bit better. It never seems to be, but hopefully you're right. <laughs> well, John, we appreciate you uh, staying up late tonight to talk to us on uh, McCartney After Midnight on the fan. And next, uh, breaking news with the Knicks, you are my first go-to guy. Always here for you, Daniel. Happy to be on. And, of course, that's uh, John Schmelk from the WFAN Bank Shop podcast. He hosts uh, all about the Knicks. And the thing is with this, and I'm, I even looked at tonight's, you know, like like John was just saying, tonight's minutes allocations. And 
when you look at after this trade deadline, you look at guys like, I don't know, like Julius Randle. I mean, we know what he is, and he's still playing 34, average the two nights, 32 minutes a game. I mean, Alfred Payton averages a, a 31 and a half, yeah, let me do the math, 31 and a half minutes a game. Yet you got Frank Nilakina playing 14 minutes a game. Yet you got uh, Kevin Knox playing 18 minutes a game, averaging to seven. So it's just like, the whole concept of what's going on with these Knicks is 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 kind of upside down because they're playing these guys that are tried and true. We know what the, these guys all bring to the table. And like I said right before this interview, I'm not in favor of tanking. Never am. But you have to know what Portis can bring, what Knox can bring to the table. What Robinson, he's the most intriguing of them all, I think, to me. What, what Mitchell Robinson can bring to the table. And I know that the coach that's coaching him now, I know that he's trying to... Win himself a job. I mean, he wants to take over as head coach. Wouldn't anybody? I mean, I don't know that for sure, but wouldn't anybody? And I know he's trying to win some games. But as John was just saying, by winning more games, it's putting the Knicks in in no man's land, basically, come draft time. It's like the Jets, right? The, The Jets started winning those games at the end, which I predicted that they would. And here they are. What do they have, the 10th pick in the draft or something like that? I mean, what do you do with that? on a very average team to begin with. That is draft no man's land. So I think Taj Gibson, they got the message tonight. I don't know if he got hurt or not. I guess I'd have to look. But Taj Gibson, after playing 30 minutes in the first game back from the trade deadline, only played 13 tonight. Good. That's what I want to see. But I don't want to see Wayne Ellington getting 27 minutes off the bench. I don't want to see that. R.J. Barrett tonight had, what, 21 minutes versus 18 the other night? That's not enough. The guy's a rookie. That's not enough to help him develop. I'm sorry. I don't know. They're just doing it backwards. They're just doing it backwards. Because if you don't know what you have, you don't know what you need. More calls after the update here with Marco. 877-337-6666. Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. Good morning again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan. Like you heard in the jingle, I cannot get used to that yet. It's pretty cool still. Uh, Danielle McCartan with you in the morning. Is it McCartan in the morning at this point in time? And we've covered a lot of ground tonight. A lot of Knicks, a lot of Jets. I mean, a lot of Mets, I should say. Spring training. Uh, A lot of Yankees as well. The one thing that has been missing from our discussion tonight, and Turn on the radio at any point today, and it was on. It was being discussed. Is this AJ Hinch interview? And by the way, when uh, I was listening earlier today, I had tuned into Kim Jones's show as I was straightening my hair before, and I did hear that she said that there were Reese's pieces, or Reese's peanut butter cups, on that side table in there in the workroom. Did you see them, Pat? Because I came in and didn't see them. No, somebody uh, somebody ousted them. Before we got here then, because I didn't see him either. You got the peanut M&M's. Right. So and uh, there was a couple Snickers. Do you think she was confused that maybe she meant peanut M&M's instead of peanut? I don't know. Peanut uh, butter cups? I don't know. Could, possibly. Because there were a ton out there. She described a ton. Yeah, that's a possibility. Unless there's a thief in here. Well, we know we know McMonagle had all the prunes. <laughs> that was so funny when he said that. <laughs> I didn't see any of the prunes in Good Thing, because 
You know, but if he needed to leave early, I was here. I was here early tonight, so I, I could have jumped in real quick <laughs> if he needed to make a run to the bathroom. I didn't see any Reese's Pieces. Yeah, no, me That's, neither. That is what they're called, by the way, not Reese's Pieces. Or, yeah. I, I hate when people say that. <laughs> so anyway, I have a bag of uh, peanut M&Ms here, although they're not my favorite. I, I do like the regular milk chocolate, but I will eat these, of course. Um, so the one thing we haven't gotten into yet is is the A.J. Hinch thing, and just when you thought this Astros thing was finally starting to go away, <laughs> A.J. Hinch goes on MLB Network and does this basically 30-minute interview. It was like 27 or something. 30-minute interview with Tom Verducci. And I was looking for – I was watching this not just for entertainment value, but I had I had two objectives when I was watching this. My first objective was to figure out and to evaluate – what kind of questions was Tom Verducci asking? I mean, was he asking the tough questions? Was he throwing him, um, you know, lob passes? Because don't forget, this was an interview done on MLB Network, which is happens to be owned by MLB. So the answer to that, the short story, is that I thought Tom Verducci asked and phrased questions pretty perfectly. I felt there was really no bias, absolutely no bias in his line of questioning, even in his follow-up questions. So Tom Verducci gets an A. But my second objective in, in critically watching and listening to this interview was, how much did A.J. Hinch know based off of his responses to the questions being asked? So those are my two essential questions. Was Tom Verducci asking the tough ones, and how much did Hinch know? And we've settled the Tom Verzucci thing, but I don't know. I just came away with this this feeling that everyone's supposed to feel sorry for A.J. Hinch and, and for his family. The voice cracks I had enough of. The, it was a sad day when the letter in the form of an email arrived. That he had an emotional meeting, those were his words, in the office of uh, the owner when he was fired that day, expecting that he was just going to get suspended, he thought, not even for a whole year, which blew my mind. But the fact that he was, when he was fired, he was an emotional meeting, that so much so that he wanted to pick his daughters up from school. He wanted to pick his daughters up from school before they got the notifications on their phones about the penalty, his suspension, and therefore his his firing. <laughs> and And... All that was built, that whole narrative was built to, to make you feel bad for the guy. Make you feel bad for his daughters and his family. And then he comes and he says, he says, I've had unbelievable conversations with major league managers and some of my players, players around the game and executives. I want people to know that I care, that I'm not just, I guess, blowing it off and shrugging my shoulders and saying I'm set because I got caught. It's much bigger than that. What? Did he express any remorse for guys like like Joe Girardi who were fired from their jobs literally days after losing to their cheating Astros in 2017? Did he find any remorse for Joe Girardi in his heart? Did he find any remorse for any of those pitchers, which are, are the names are so obscure because they don't even pitch in the MLB anymore after having run through that buzzsaw of, of the Astros lineup, the cheating Astros? Like, those are the guys we should be feeling sorry for. We should not be feeling sorry for A.J. Hinch. And I don't, I don't ever want to tell you how to feel about anything. I can give you my point of view. But I haven't met or heard from one person that feels sorry for A.J. Hinch. I think that was kind of sort of the objective. Because I'm thinking to myself, why on earth would this guy 
go on, literally right on the precipice of pitchers and catchers reporting. Everybody's tuned into baseball. Why would he do that? I mean, is he angling for a, a, a an on-air job as an analyst? Because that would be a huge mistake. The guy willingly, A.J. Hinch willingly allowed the most massive, systematic, algorithm-based cheating scandal to happen for years. And then he laughed it off, and he condemned anyone that was accusing him of participating in it. You've seen all the uh, press conferences, or, or, or the press conferences from Yankee Stadium. He wasn't sorry for doing it. He was sorry for getting caught. That's absolutely what it was. And for him to just come out and say that means that was in his conscience somewhere. He said something in that interview, too, about the New York media being tough on him. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Damn right it is. It was. New York media obviously has that reputation around the country of being the toughest media, right? And his team single-handedly kept the Yankees out of the World Series in, in, in 2017 and 2019, particularly with the ALCS. Losses, I should say. And in 2017, the Yankees were within one game of the World Series. One game. It was a rebuilding team. You know, it was Judge, and it was all fresh, and, and Sanchez. And Joe Girardi totally got that team to overperform and get to within one game of the World Series. Remind me again why anybody should feel sorry for A.J. Hinch. And then when Verducci asked him, is the Astros 2017 title tainted? I mean, he was so, like, blase. Well, I thought... Oh, uh, I think it was a fair question. I think everyone's going to have to draw their own conclusions. I hope over time and the demonstration of the talent on this team. I mean, come on. First of all, the voice cracks I really, really annoyed me. Like like he was being so sentimental and and so really apologetic. Oh, my God, with the voice cracking. Like, like he's a, like a teenager. And the talent of this team and, and the players... Sure, the team was talented, but I'd like to see what they could do without the cheating scandal. And he hopes over time that it was proven that it wasn't tainted. But I understand the question. How is it going to be proved over time that it wasn't tainted? I mean, really? Are we supposed to just go backwards and delete all the work from John Boy and any of the other people that were doing it? And then now... I mean, I don't pay for the Wall Street Journal, so I read the first two paragraphs and then a couple excerpts from, from, from Twitter. But now that article in the Wall Street Journal is saying that it came from the front office, that an intern, an intern had a program, I forget the name of it, Codebreaker, like an Excel sort of program, data input program, and, and you receive an output, and that's and that would decode the algorithms of of the signs of the catchers and and predict almost or even what was coming next. I mean, what? And then you got Andy Martino and with all due respect, Andy Martino, he's on Twitter and he says, I think this was earlier tonight, the Astros code breaker stuff. This is almost exactly what Carlos Delgado did once with his notebook, just in Excel form. Delgado used a pen to record pitch sequences, signs, and other info. Of course, 
He didn't write dark arts on the cover like he was taking a class at Hogwarts, which, by the way, dark arts is a class at Hogwarts, so I like the, the reference there. But Hogwarts beating uh, Harry Potter, in case you didn't get that. But no, it's absolutely not the same thing. <laughs> Writing down your own notes in your own notebook with a pen and paper is not the same thing as using a computer algorithm as, as a predictive software and then relaying that information to the rest of the team in real time. I'm sorry, Andy Martino, but you're really wrong. <laughs> Carlos Delgado keeping his own notes in his own notebook is not equal to that which happened with the Astros. I don't even understand why you would even think to even tweet something like that. I mean, really. And, you know, there's there's frustration all across the league with this. And now at this point, I mean, there's more questions than answers, really, at this point. Where did it emanate from? Where did it begin? You know, uh, is it did it come from the front office? Who else knew about it? And why aren't the players being punished? punished? I mean, they were, I mean, I know the answer because of the players' union. And I know the answer because they were, um, they're on different teams. I mean, think about the Yankees. If, if Garrett Cole were to get punished, then, I mean, he, he's no longer playing on that team. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's clear to me, based on the, the, the video evidence that, that I've seen, that, in fact, they were wearing buzzers. I mean, you saw the video. I forget who it was. It was it fell off of, from wherever and hit the catcher in the helmet as he's at the plate. I mean, that was the first thing. Then you got Jose Altuve after hitting that walk-off home run, holding his shirt closed and saying, in my opinion, don't rip it off or whatever. I mean, Sean Doolittle, who's a Washington Nationals uh, uh, player, he, he says, this is really, on Twitter, he goes, this is really frustrating. A month after MLB's report, and all we have now is more evidence and more questions. So it wasn't entirely player-driven? This came from up top? The integrity of the game is at stake, and players and fans deserve some answers. How much, I told you this a long time ago, how much did Rob Manfred know? And how much was he willing to sweep under the rug? Did he not think that people were going to find out about these buzzers? He didn't, he didn't think that people were going to find out? I think there's enough evidence there to open up a new investigation. And although it says that he did ask in his interviews or whoever conducted the interviews did ask about that, but now we have video evidence that they actually existed with um, uh, J.J. Reddick, I believe it was, in the post-game interview. He literally did a post-game interview with no shirt on and a thing attached to his, his chest. Like, What? So here's what I would do. I would I would try to I would try to leverage AJ Hinch. And what it should have started with was a lifetime ban for AJ Hinch and Jeff Lunau. That's what it should have started with. Then Rob Manfred could have said, listen, I'll remove the lifetime ban if in fact you tell me exactly which players were wearing 
those devices. That's how you suspend the players. You make them turn on each other. That's classroom management one-on-one. You know? And, and then maybe the other teams will just blackball them anyway. Blackball A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau anyway. Then, you, then it's a win-win. So I think the evidence is there. I would love to see another investigation reopen. For the, for the fact that there are there is video evidence that there were buzzers. How could you say that there weren't? And he shrugged it off in, in the interview. A.J. Hinch shrugged it off in the interview. He didn't answer the question. He said, we got investigated for three months. The commissioner's office did a thorough investigation. I mean, he, he didn't say no. At that point, wouldn't you say unequivocally, no, we did not? No, A.J. Hinch didn't say that. Come on, man. All right, let's take some calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti. Hey, it's Mark Melusis. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10, it's Moose and Maggie. Pitchers and catchers report this week for the Mets and Yankees. As baseball comes more into focus, the XFL launches and the latest surrounding the Knicks. It's Moose and Maggie, Monday at 10, right here on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Got some trap music going on here. I'm Daniel McCartan here on the fan at 422 in the morning. We were just uh, <laughs> the song. We were just in a, a deep conversation about this Astros cheating. And, you know, I'm I'm really I, I'm tired of hearing about it. I mean, I really am. But AJ Hinch coming on MLB TV or MLB Network and giving this interview to Tom Verducci puts it directly back in everybody's crosshairs. And Sean Doolittle on Twitter is saying players are, and I think the quote was pissed off, and as they should be, (laughs) he said, players around the league are pissed, but we're looking forward to hearing more from the parties involved in spring training. We want an apology, some transparency, and accountability. Real answers from people taking real responsibility for letting down the game of baseball. Then you got A.J. Hinch says in that interview, I will work tirelessly to restore the integrity that's needed in this game. And his voice cracked. And then the integrity that's already, that's already in this game. Really? You know what that sounds like? That sounds like when, when you're running for class president. I will work tirelessly to fundraise for our prom. Well, well, anytime a kid ever gave a speech like that to me, I would say, okay, work tirelessly. Like, do what? What exactly are you going to do? I mean, come on. Sounds like a politician. A.J. Hinch came off looking like more of a politician than anything. And he says, uh, on the fact that he should have been more direct with his players, right? He says, about the, the monitor, he goes, I hit it with a bat. I didn't like it. In hindsight, I would have had a meeting. First of all, wait a second, back up. He hit it twice. He destroyed that monitor twice with a bat. Okay, after, obviously that's not the way to handle it. But after the first time, after the second time, you don't think you'd have a conversation? I mean, what? He says, I should have had a meeting and addressed it face forward and really ended it. He, I, I, you know what? I was going to start playing a drinking game with the way the number of times he said leadership. I wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> leadership to me is often about what you preach, your pillars of what you believe in. I mean, this sounds like, like a presidential speech. Leadership is also about what you tolerate, and I tolerated too much. 
And that outburst, I wanted to let people know that I didn't like it. But I should have done more. And I should have addressed it more directly. Let me tell you something. In high school sports, when you see something that you don't like, you address it immediately. Why at the major league level did you not address it? I mean, if my players, and they've done things that I don't, uh, that I don't like, literally all it is is a glance inside the dugout, and they stop whatever they do. They, they drop whatever they were doing. One time, I, I caught them. <laughs> I, I was uh, coaching, and, and I wanted to use an iPad to, to do stats. There's no book anymore, just the iPad. And there's a program on it that, that does it for you and everything. Totals up your stats, everything, easy. And we were doing ground rules one game, and I looked over, and there were like six of them all looking at the iPad at once, like yeah, on top of each other. I looked over there, and <laughs> you should have seen the looks on their face. They were just like, they were shocked. And I gave them like this look, and then I went into the dugout after the ground rules were over, and I said, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. We were just taking selfies on your camera, on, on your iPad. Like, oh, all right, well, that's it. You're not, you're not uh, running a, a systematic cheating scandal? <laughs> no? Oh, okay. All right, we're good then. What I'm trying to say, the point I'm trying to make, is that when you see something happening, you are empowered to take control and end it if you see fit. And unfortunately for A.J. Hinch, he had that opportunity not once. He had a second chance, and he didn't do it. Okay? He says it's complicated when you're talking about a team and the inner workings of a team. No, it's not that complicated. You tell them to knock it off. Okay? You tell them to knock it off. But A.J. Hinch, he liked it. And how do I know that? Because he never said anything about it. And then... The final bombshell of this whole interview was, do you want to manage a big league team again? Hinch says, I do want to manage again. I love, I love, I love, I love. Here's my little campaign for myself. I love the players. Come on, man. I hope MLB, all of those owners, do the right thing and never hire A.J. Hinch again. The integrity of the game, not even is at stake, has been ruined. Let's head back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Rob in Connecticut. You're on the fan. Good morning, Daniel. What's up? How are you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you got your own jingle now. You got your big time now, kid. Big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, AJ Hanson, a little rookie uh, bets if I can. Yeah. You know what I find very objectionable is the fact that he's doing an interview on M- MLB Network. And it's owned by that. the MLB. I don't get that. That's what I mean. Yeah. I don't get that. This, here's a guy who was fired from the Astros and suspended from Major League Baseball, and yet he's doing an interview on an MLB show owned by the MLB Network. Mind-boggling. I, go figure that one. Yeah. I mean, I can see if he's doing it on Oprah or something like that. It has nothing to do with Dr. ML, Phil. Uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, but I for know. Major League Baseball, he suspended you, but yet we're bringing you on our network to interview yep. I mean, that's... That's so asinine. It's unbelievable. Conflict of interest, uh, if I do say so myself. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, crazy. Uh, so now Mookie Betts. Now, we've talked in the past, you and I, and uh, I told you I'm a longtime Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this whole thing was going down. Listen, a couple of years ago, the Red Sox offered Mookie Betts eight years, $200 million, Okay, he rejected that. So now this year they offer him 
10 years, 300 million. He rejected that, came back with, he wanted 12 years, 420 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping maybe they would meet him somewhere in between, you know, maybe give him 350 or something, 10 years, 350 or whatever. But that, that didn't work out. So, so now they changed it. So then after that, I'm like, well, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. You know, I mean, you know, to me, that's fair compensation. Right. Now, granted, he's, he's one of the, you know, top probably five best players. But still, I mean, thirty, you know, thirty-five million a year—that's not chump change, right? Considering that Jackie Bradley's making eleven million, and then Benatani just signed two-year deal for ten million, five million dollars a year. I mean, right. you know, those are the guys playing in the same outfield with him, you know. Uh, so, and, and as far as David Price, I mean, to me, he's not worth thirty-two million a year anyway. So, I, I wasn't going to break my heart to see him go. Correct. You know? But now, the whole crazy thing about it is. Something seemed a little, little fishy here. Where all of a sudden, you know, with uh, uh, Greater all, all of a sudden the Red Sox, you know, they have questions about his arm, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, so now the whole deal is blowing up, and I think, and I'm kind of wondering, like, listen, I, I, I've been, I was a Red Sox fan back in the day when when we lost Carlton Fisk and Fred Lynn and Rick Burleson and all those guys. That was different ownership. That was, you know, Gene Yockey, Tom Yockey's wife along the team at the time. But they, you know, those were three all-star players that they lost. And a lot of Red Sox fans, you know, especially in my age group, have never forgotten that, you know. And all of a sudden, it seems like the Red Sox, you know, they had all this pushback from, from all the media and from all the fans and everything from Red Sox. It's almost like, are they, like, second-guessing themselves now or... Absolutely. I mean, would they would they all would they be able to make amends with these two guys after you sent them out of town? Would you actually be able to yeah. bring them back and make them happy? I don't know. I, I, that's going to be some damage control. Um, but I think they they saw. I mean, Red Sox fans. I mean, Mookie Betts. How could they not be upset if they're going to be trading Mookie Betts away? How how could they not be upset? <laughs> like, what did they think was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you know, yet. No, Ty Williams was before my time, but you know, I saw Crowley Stramsky, I saw Jim Rice, you know, you know guys like that spent their whole career with the Red Sox, right. you know, outstanding outfielders, you know, Hall of Famers. And, and I guess we kind of, as Red Sox fans, we were kind of hoping Mookie Betts would be that next guy, you know, and yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I mean, I, I wish they would keep him. I, I wish, you know, like I said, did they, you know, did they say hey, three fifty or something? You know, maybe maybe they could keep them. I don't know, but yeah, and, and it's gonna be really interesting. I mean, it's almost like we're we're I mean, it's getting they're getting dysfunctional, like the like the Mets and like the Knicks. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> oh no, oh no, I feel sorry for them. Kind of not really, but because <laughs> they're the Boston Red Sox. But uh, Rob, I appreciate the call as always. Thank you so much. All right, All right Daniel, take care now. So the problem is that that Mookie Betts asked for what twelve years, four twenty. Well. Mike Trout just, you know, when he had his big contract, it was a 12-year, 420, let's round up, 7, 427. You mean to tell me that that Mookie Betts and Mike Trout are on the same level? They're just, they're just not. They're just not. And Mookie Betts seems to have a, what's that called, an unfair eva- self-evaluation. That's when, you like, you give a rubric in class and you have the kids circle where they think they are and then you circle where they actually are. And then you have the conversation about the discrepancy and you meet in the middle somewhere. That's exactly what should have been going on here. So if Mookie Betts thinks he's going to be getting $420 million, uh, I think he's got another thing coming to him. And I think now 
that he knows like, he really it's not it, it's not going to work. Maybe then he's going to go back to the Red Sox and say, okay, listen, uh, give me a shorter deal with more money. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an agent. I'm not an MLB player. But this whole thing falling apart, I, I believe, centers around the fact that, that the Red Sox fans were totally up in arms. Totally. Completely. And what did they think? Did they not know that was going to happen? Carlo in Kings Park, you're on the fan. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm good, Carlo. How are you? Good, good. Definitely talk about some Yanks if I could. Yeah. Um, what are the Yanks going to do as far as replacing Paxton? Well, the thing is, you know, and I said in the open that Paxton was their number two, but then Cole comes along and now he's their number three, maybe even four. See how Severino does. But they've got guys. They've got Davy Garcia who might get a chance, Jordan Montgomery that might get a chance. I mean, I think they have options. They're not going to be totally. Um, Totally without options. I mean, I was I was like kind of like joking with a lot of my friends at work, and I was telling them, well, instead of the Yankees winning 120, they'll wind up winning 115 to 110 now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because, you know, I, I, I take a lot of ripping, Danielle. I really do. And it's so unfair because I always hear the, I always hear the famous line. It's, I don't know about you, but I hear the famous line of, oh, the Yankees always buy everybody. The Yankees always buy everybody. If the Yankees buy everybody, then they would win all the time. They would I mean, think. I haven't won in, what, 11, 12 years? 2009. That's a, that's a big deal. I mean, for, the, for a Yankee fan like myself, that's like eternity. I know. That it is. It's a long time. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, if the Yankees did, in fact, buy everybody, then, then they would win. But then again, you have to think of how guys play together. You know, and how their lineups are constructed. And there's there's more that goes into that than just what meets the eye. And you also can't buy everybody. Because then there's a thing called a luxury tax. And the Yankees don't want to go over that luxury tax under under house sign runner. So, you know, as far as that, that Paxton injury, um, the song I played in the beginning was uh, You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift because it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it is. It's a big deal. But it's not that big of a deal because... The Yankees do have options. They do. And having Garrett Cole is the main reason why the Yanks are not in full-blown panic mode. <laughs> Think about that. The Yankees have the, arguably the best pitcher in the MLB. Some will say DeGrom. Some will say Cole. And then Paxson, who was their two, is now no longer their two. Paxson's now their three. And what happens with Severino? What if Severino comes out just throwing fireballs. Well, then it doesn't make you miss him that much. The rotation would be Cole Tanaka, Severino, Hap. Who's the five-starter? I don't know, because Domingo Herman's out till June. That should be what, three months from now, February, March, April, May, June should be when Paxton comes back anyway. Jay Hap is there. I, I think the Yankees are okay. And... Who knows? Davy Garcia. This might be his time. He's the Yankees' number one prospect. Oh, guess what? He's a starting pitcher. And then what if they employ the strategy early on that they tried using in the postseason where it would be um, bullpen heavy? You know, let the pitchers get through the order twice and then bullpen. Well, maybe you bring in Domingo Acevedo at that point in time. Who, in 2019... Finished the year 
in Scranton with a 1-2-6 ERA, by the way. He's moved from starting pitching to bullpen. So what I'm trying to say is that the Yankees do have options. And I wouldn't get too hung up on this Paxton thing for sure. More of your calls after the break. If you're on hold, hang there. I will get to you. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Here on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. This song reminds me of summer, which makes me think of Tampa, which makes me think of, well, Florida and spring training. Who is this? What song is this? This is Fuego by Eleni Ferreira. Mm, never heard of it. I like it, though. Makes me think of uh, 80 degrees and palm trees in Port St. Lucie or Tampa. If you're a Met or a Yankee fan, love it. Yeah, the Mets open up, what is it, Monday, tomorrow? Pitchers and catchers and the Yankees are Tuesday. They report down there in Tampa. And it's been a lot. It's been Yankees-Mets heavy tonight, which is great. Some A.J. Hinch stuff. And uh, I got to share with you a tweet that I just got, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N from at Real Kevin Wingand. He said, Coach McCartan, the Yankees won't sniff 70 wins. Their reign is over. I said, what? They'll have 70 wins, 76 wins worth the Baltimore Orioles this season alone. <laughs> uh I think he's just joking. I got to see. It's a long response. So I got to see. Um, so Yankees, Mets. Uh, the Yankees are lost. James Paxton, as we know, um, for a couple months due to back surgery, and that was literally last resort. They tried doing a bunch of other things, and they just they couldn't get it done. So they resorted to surgery, and the Yankees were informed that he was doing that. There's there's no secretive stuff going on there. And for Mets, the Mets, I think the biggest question is their bullpen, and. What is your assessment is going to look like and how long is he going to perform and at what level? I mean, right? And, of course, I thought this was would be the perfect week for the, the Red Sox report to come out. And, in fact, it didn't. So maybe next week when, we, when we're on here, we could, we could talk about that then. Stuart in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Yeah, good morning, Danielle. How are you? It's a pleasure talking to you. Of course, you too. Uh, Danielle, so with the Red Sox, they said it's going to come down before the, op- the uh, first day of spring training. That's what I've been hearing. Yeah. I heard it. Well, Manfred said it's imminent, which I thought made it seem like yesterday, like the Friday new- night news dump, I thought. Right. But, but you know, Cora transferred everything over to Boston from when he, after he left Houston. That's what and makes you think is, so, yeah. Uh-huh. They should be punished uh, equally, if not more, because of what they did with uh, everything else that they've been go- dealing with. You know, he brought it over. Corey uh, will never see another job in ba- as a manager, and neither will Hinch. And the thing is, it, it's rightfully so. Hinch knew what was going on. He got the lowdown from the GM. The GM knew from the beginning. He didn't do anything to stop it. They just figured they could get away with it. Right. But don't you think that, that modern technology would catch on eventually? You would think. You would think. And okay, they were told, and they continued to do it, and then now they're saying, oh, uh, Verlander said this and this and this, and uh, uh, what Cor- uh, Altuve said what he said. But you know what it all boils down to is, like you said, it scarred the integrity of the game. It did a lot of damage, and I don't know if that damage could be repaired, because don't forget, we had the Pete Rose scandal. You can go back to Shoeless Joe Jackson. And all these scandals do eventually mount up, and it does eventually catch up to every, everything else that went on with the steroids and whatnot and with Silig. 
And, you know, everything does eventually catch up, and it does eventually hurt the game that everybody supposedly loves. Mm-hmm. And what did they think they were going to accomplish? They won a championship. I don't know if they could take that away. I don't think they should. No. But you want to know what? There's, they should put an asterisk next to it like they did with Roger Maris. Mm. What's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think, and Stuart, thanks for the call, I think A.J. Hinch should have been banned for life right off the bat. I, just, I think Jeff Lunau should have been banned for life right off the bat. And so Alex Cora should be banned for life right off the bat. And, you know, I, th- I think about this. This thought kind of sort of pops in my mind every once in a while that I, I, I don't want to implicate anything, but I think Brody Van Wagenen, in bringing over Carlos Beltran, in you know wanting to revamp this analytics department, and then firing two guys within the same time frame that that Beltran was let go. I, I, I want to say the same day. Maybe it was the day before or after. But I, I, I were the Mets trying to do set up the same thing here? I mean, that's the thing. That's. The 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 um, insidious question I said use the word insidious when this first broke. It's that insidious question that always is going to pop up. Like when when a guy ramps up on a fastball, aren't whether it's your team or not, aren't you going to think, well, did he know it was coming? That is precisely the problem. That is the integrity of the game. And the way I think you combat that is you have an earpiece. I said it from from. Day one, from the get-go, like in the NFL, like in football, you have an earpiece in the ear of the, the catcher and in the ear of the pitcher. Therefore, no signs are exchanged, no way to cheat, you would think. Put them on a secure connection, they have the technology to do it, and, and have all calls emanate from the replay room. And of course, you put that on a delay. Of course, from the replay room. Or you change it like the XFL has, where every replay emanates from a a, a larger body. Maybe there's a replay team. If anything is deemed replayable, they're the ones that have the only ability to replay it. That's another suggestion I just thought of right now. But maybe the challenges are going to go away, and they'll put a replay team in, like the XFL. It works. Have you watched it? It's pretty good. Ralph and Bradley Beach, you're on the fan. Hey, Coach Ralph here. Um, you you pitch baseball, right, Danielle? I, I used to pitch baseball, yeah. I played first yeah. pitcher and shortstop. Oh, that's awesome. I coached girls sports for 45 years, and I'm so glad things happened in my – I've only had season tickets for the 49ers who had the first offensive female. Yeah, Katie Sowers. Coach, cool. I love her. And I just want to say about the USFL, I am so excited because my brother got season tickets for the Guardians. Okay, cool. And – this kid O'Hagan, who is from East Rockaway, he played for Seaford. Mm-hmm. He's the first with a small town in Long Island, and he's the first player. I am so excited. That's cool. you know? so I'm 66. He's, he's we're going to be on the sideline for the April game, and I'm so glad you're a vibe. I'm digging it for the opportunity, just like opportunity in women's sports with soccer finally got there, payment the women. Mm-hmm. And I think this UFL. This kid O'Hagan, he played at University of Buffalo. He's like, uh, you know, our dream since we never had anybody from a little tiny shock. Right, right. Even though he played at Seaford. But hey, Ralph, are you are I'm you so, with me on social media at all? Maybe I can get down and see no, you one I, of the games. Uh, yeah, I love. I'm not. My kids do it because I'm technically, you know, <laughs> okay. I'm a Woodstock guy. But uh, I definitely would love to do that. I would. Okay, do that, sure. Right? Yeah. 
And, um, yeah, Coach Ralph was my name for uh, 45 years, but uh, I'm just so glad you're going to be down there. And I can't, I'll be on the sidelines April because he'll be playing the game he's plays in Washington. And we are all pumped up little tiny Rock away Long Island. <laughs> Even though we played in Seaford, it's like our claim to fame. And to give these kids a chance to look good to me, I want the changes. Yeah. I, you know, I loved it, but. Danielle, you're excited because I think it's going to be something. I think it's a new adventure. I mean, I Journey. hope so. I, I do hope so. And, and Ralph, you're the answer. I'm telling you, Danielle. What do you mean crazy. I'm the answer? The answer to what? You're the, the answer to my pain. That's <laughs> what? my pain is a little town we get no respect. And this kid is they were talking about it all over. His father owns a couple bars in those societies. His family is famous in New York. Even though they had to send him to Seaford because it was the biggest school, but. This is our glory, you know, only 100 guys in the class. And our girls' team is one of the toughest girls' teams in the smallest division. They always in something, soccer playoffs, softball. Softball, they dominate, mm-hmm. dominate. Literally, rock with black and orange, Halloween colors. All right. I just, all right, Danielle. Thanks, Ralph. I appreciate it. You're my hero. God bless you. <laughs> I would love to have that pop up. Thanks, Ralph. Um, and, and I can't say just yet, but. If you're really into women's sports, you might want to stay tuned to my social media channels this week. Ralph, write it down, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Or if you're on Facebook, Ralph, Coach, M-C-C-A-R. It's Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Same thing, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I might have something special for you there. And by the way, the U.S. Women's National Team qualified for the Olympics late last night or even early. I don't know. I'm, my days are all mixed up. But Friday night, pretty much early Saturday morning, they qualified to go to Japan. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. What's up? How you doing? Well, um, I guess your score was went on with the Super Bowl very close. You had it. Um, I thought the 49ers were going to win. Me too. Uh, I, I told you that. I mean, the key was, my friends keep saying, and, and I agree, about 10-10, you have timeouts left. You go for like a field goal or something. Yeah, there, right? Yep. You agree with that? Um, yep. He really messed up on that. And then, in the one game, got him there the last couple of weeks. That's why he picked the 49ers. He had been the run. That's what my friend said, too, and I agree. What was that last point? The one, the game, the one game. Oh, the run game. Yeah, he, he totally bailed on it. Totally bailed on it. That That's not what got them there, and he totally bailed on it. I, yeah, that, that that was a bad decision, I think. And Jimmy, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously uh, uh, it was tough for him, and they put more pressure to Chiefs, but and then, um, that wasn't really a touchdown, I mean. Watching the game with my friends, it seemed like that was not a touchdown. It was very controversial. It was very close. It was, really in. It was very close. And um, the third score, I guess, was a good call. But just overall, I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, the Cowboys obviously give Mahomes credit. But, again, it just seemed like the coach was of San Francisco not making the right decision. I mean, anyone, and again, uh, not going for points there. I mean, yeah. I know he had the ball again, and he deferred. You deferred second half. You had yeah. the ball anyways in the third quarter. Yeah. I'm going to try to take a chance, Danielle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Tony, thanks for the call. And, and I think um, um, that kind of set the tone kind of for the rest of the game. And, you know, you're in the Super Bowl. I mean, you have to go all out. You you know, settling, just settling for a 10-10 tie into halftime. You can't do that. Especially for a team that has had these amazing comebacks. Like, you got to put up as many points as you possibly can in order to prevent that comeback. And you saw it happen again, again. And and just it's that, that decision not to even just 
I mean, not to put any points on the board before halftime. And it's just, I mean, just set the tone. And who would have thought that Andy Reid was going to outcoach um, the 49ers? Who, who thought that? I know I didn't. And we did three hours of, of intense Super Bowl preview um, last week, complete with uh, J-Lo and Shakira songs, by the way, and Demi Lovato songs. But um, three hours and all the research I went, I mean, there was no way that the, the Chiefs are gonna, were going to win. And sure enough, they did. And I, I got to tell you that that, that call on uh, Travis Kelsey – and did you see the video on Twitter? Maybe I could find it and retweet it for you. But the the push-off from Kelsey and the push-off from Rudolph were the exact same thing. One of them's uh, pass interference. The other one is not. I mean, I tell you every week, the refs should not be uh, deciding games. And unfortunately, they had too much of a say in that. But again, Patrick Mahomes, has, has, has everybody willing to admit that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL at this point in time, best young quarterback in the NFL at this time, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Because at the very end, I mean, the game was pretty much over at this point in time, but he throws an interception, an INT, a pick to seal the game, done deal, it's over. That, of course, is, is because of the fact that they totally bailed on the run game, the 49ers, and they put some pressure on him to make make some plays. And he couldn't. And that's what got them there. That was the, you know, when when you are one way to get you to that level, you have to stay true to who you are. You can't change. And unfortunately, the 49ers changed. And the Chiefs won. And good for them. It's been a long time. Now who's up next? The Jets? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, more calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. And Sports Radio 66. The Fan. Hello again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan. We're in the final hour here of McCartan, what, in the morning at this point. Jingles are awesome. I love them. Thank you for that. And, um... There's been a lot of turmoil here in New York this past week with, you know, the Knicks firing or, well, not firing, reassigning their president, hiring a new one. Well, not really because the press conference hasn't started yet or, or happened yet. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't even jump to conclusions yet, everybody, because the Mets thought their team was going to be sold to Steve Cohen. And this week, we found out that that wasn't going to happen. We, as New Yorkers, found out that that wasn't going to happen after all. And, you know, peculiar because there never really was a a, a press conference there either. In all the months of speculation, I think it broke on December 4th, I think it was. And that night, I talked to Brendan Nimmo that same night on my way to Brooklyn at our our, uh, dinner, our Italian-American dinner. National, what is it? Italian American Baseball Foundation. And that night, I, I, I brought it up then. So since December 4th to, to, in essence, February 4th, the deal went totally south. And so there's been a lot of turmoil this week. And not to mention the Mookie Betts deal. Doesn't look like it's happening, as Marco just said. And James Paxton's getting surgery. 
and the XFL has started. And our New York Guardians are going to be playing later today, Sunday. And as unattractive as the Knicks are and, and seem to be, I mean, first of all, I, I introduced this. As you know, I, I do the music um, in my intro. I did Alesso and Tovlo, the song Heroes, because it's going to take a hero's effort to turn the Knicks into a winner. and th- But there's going to be a hero's return on that as well. Because right now, if you look at the Knicks, they are a bottom-feeding team in the NBA. Yet, yet, are you one of the half a million people that has come to the Garden this season? The Knicks averaged the 11th best home attendance in the league. And it's very close because if 242 people more on average come out to the games, they're going to have the sixth best home attendance in the NBA. And their record is 16 in 36. And I know that counts attendance and not home fans and away fans, which is pretty much how I believe the New York Jets got on the top list. What are they, second most uh, populated team in the NFL? Really? because they sell their tickets. Jets, they sell their tickets to all the away fans. Come on. The Patriots fans help, help them with that number. And the Dolphins. But herein lies the problem for the Knicks. Dolan was clearly reacting to chants at the Garden of sell the team. Ricocheted all over the league, all over social media. And then they dumped or reassigned Steve Mills this week right before the trade deadline. And Dolan said in his statement, I am not selling. There you go. And he picked Leon Rose to lead the team. CAA agent. So they went the Mets route and picking an agent from the same corporation that Brody Van Wagenen is from. Rose, he's been the agent for Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns. You, the back page of the, I'm looking at it now. I can't see what newspaper that is. The Post, I think it is. It's it's a picture of him in a collage of all the guys he's represented. Mr. Know-em-all is what it says. I mean, come on. And then the Mets. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. About their ownership debacle. And then you got James Paxton, which we just recently talked about, taking getting back surgery. But I think the Yankees are, are better poised to absorb that than, than in any year before. I mean, their, their their weakness has been starting pitching for years. And they finally get the number one or number two, well, depends on the way you look at it, starter in the league on their team. And now another one of their guys goes down with a significant injury. So, um, But I do think in, because of Garrett Cole, the Yankees are in a better position to to absorb that than in any other year. If this was any other year, the damage would be catastrophic. I mean, you got Jay Happ still, that's... That's why they didn't deal him this winter because they knew this was going to happen or they, they projected that this was going to happen to Paxton. And then you got guys like Davey Garcia, Yankees' number one prospect. that could slide right in there. Jordan Montgomery can slide right in there. That's the point of spring training. We'll see. We'll see how capable they are. Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, you're on the fan. How you doing, Coach? What's up? Okay. Well, this is the last time I'm going to bring up the Astros because it bothers me too. I mean, I called you about a month ago, and I mentioned what they should have done to spend the owner, like they did with Steinbrenner. Because if they did that, that would put an end to all of it, because nothing to nothing. 
you think any owner's going to allow this to go on, realizing that they're the ones that'll pay the freight if this, they get caught? Right. Yeah. That, and, I mean, yes. Good point. And also, the one thing that I'm curious about when everything comes to fruition, I wonder how arrogant Altuve is going to be the first time he bats against Chapman. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if Chapman's going to to uh, brush him back. <laughs> I think Coachy's going to address it. Mm. And also, before you were mentioning about Gliber Torres and Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. I still think they're going to keep them both in the long run. Oh, well, that was just but, the, the hypothetical situation. Well, the hypothetical part, too. What I'm thinking is when you, Aaron Judge, let's face it, the guy's been a money-making cow for that team. Mm. You know, because, like, when you go to the stadium and you go into souvenir shops, those things almost look like Aaron Judge museums. <laughs> and the judges' chambers out there in right field. Yeah. And, you know, just so, you know, one you know, one day, like, I like to get there early for batting practice. One day, like, right by, like, where the bullpen area is on a warning track, mm-hmm. he was playing catch with, like, an eight-year-old kid. Isn't that the best? Can you imagine I that? I wish more I mean, of them were like that. I mean, nothing for nothing. If I were that eight-year-old kid, I don't even know if I'd wash my hands again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, and that's see, that's what MLB needs to do. They, You know, I watched, uh, I forget who it was. The name will come to me in a second as soon as you hang up, I'm sure. But um, I watched a kid screaming, that guy's name, screaming. Oh, Manny Machado. It was Manny Machado. Manny, Manny, Manny. He didn't even pick his head up and wave to the kid. Not even acknowledge that he was calling his name for five minutes on end. I mean, you can't be doing that. Oh, no. It's like, you know, you got to be kidding. And my last thing about, you know, the match with Wilpon Mm – I think the Wilpons got colossal gall. The idea that they're expecting this guy to fill up two point six billion dollars and not have any say in the matter. Yeah. I mean, newsflash, that's not monopoly money. <laughs> yeah. And then that's not any money that I know I won't even make in my lifetime. You know what, Danielle, I work overnight and I'm off tonight, but uh-huh. I got a feeling I'm going to fall a little short in that area myself, too. (laughs) But you know the sad part? As much as I love the Yankees, I I think City Field's a better place to go to. I I agree. And I know my dad's probably listening at this point, and I always deny it, but City Field is a nicer ballpark than Yankee Stadium. It is. I mean, because the one thing with City Field, let's say I was married and I had young kids. They have so many things at City Field that are good that get kids interested in baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do so many good things there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'll talk to you next week, right. and I'm never going to mention the Astros again. <laughs> no, next week it's going to be the Red Sox, Sparky. Hey, you know what? I, I'm just happy that we got we got Cole, and I'm not even worried about the thing with Paxton because they really are actually well-equipped to take care of this. Yep. Yep, you would think. Uh, I think they're very, you know, and the idea that they didn't trade half in the long run might be a blessing. Yeah, well, I think they were kind of tipped off about Paxton because the, the shoulder injury or the back injury it started during the playoffs last year, so they kind of knew. And let's face it, the way the season's going to go, they're going to have a little chip on their shoulder. This is going to be a lot of fun this year. Well, we will see, Sparky, and thanks for the call. We will see, and it's going to be fun on both sides, in, in both boroughs of, of New York in the Bronx and Queens? I, I'm going to think yes. Kevin and Copeg, you're on a fan. 
Great to hear the voice of the Mets, Gary Cohen. What? Gary Cohen, the Seton Hall game. I heard on the update. Oh, 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 oh okay. I thought you meant the other caller. I was like, wait, that wasn't Gary Cohen. <laughs> Are you listening to the right station? <laughs> I got it. So to clarify my tweet, I always hope for the worst for the Yankees. You know, I, have a, I still have that childhood hatred for the oh, this, uh, Yanks. Just so everybody knows, this is this is the one that said that the Yankees are going to win 87, or what was it, 76 games? They're not going to see it. They're not going to sniff 76 yeah, yeah. wins. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you having to clarify, but but why why would you say that again? Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I just, I have a hatred for them. I just, since I was a kid, I just, all the kids in school, we just went back and forth all the time. Well, who are you a fan of? The Mets. Oh, the Mets. Oh. Of course, but, okay. but I'm not a Red Sox fan. But, um, so Mets for Porcello and Waka, who do you think is going to get that 4-5 uh, in the uh, Mets rotation? I don't know. I think, well, first of all, Bertie Van Wagenen has promised starting spots to all of them, and I don't know how he can get off doing that. Um. I don't know. You're going to have to see. I, I'm interested to see. Porcello intrigues me. I'm interested to see what, what they can do, with, what he can do with a new pitching coach, an analytics-driven guy, just to see. But right now, you got to go with the incumbent, Mats. I mean, he's the best of the three. You'd have to think so. And Porcello's getting paid more than Walker, right? Uh, I don't know. I can look it up for you on, on the break. I'm, I'm not positive. And what's this uh, new rule with the uh, relief pitchers? I'm like, I really didn't hear. Like it's, uh, they, can only, they have to face three batters or they have to face the whole inning? Uh, I believe it's three batters is is the new rule, which I kind of like because it speeds up the the game. I mean, when you're watching a Yankees game in the playoffs and it goes five hours long, I think it's ridiculous. So really, that's the death to the uh, loogie, right? right? Lefty relievers. What's that? It's the death to the loogie, the uh, lefty yeah, uh, reliever. Lugo, yeah, Lugo, right? Uh, Waka has, uh, by the way, a three million base salary and can earn up to ten million, and Porcello is just ten. Yeah, so Walker, he, yeah. Was Walker, he, what was Walker's? It's incentive based, pretty much. It's three million base, and then uh, ten million can earn up to. What do we even ex- uh, expect from Batances? I mean, what was his injury again with the Yankees? Yeah, well, Batances, he had he had two, and uh, the most recent being when he he celebrated off the mound and he and he had what was it, an ACL or an Achilles injury. Um, yeah, yeah, it ruptured, so. it, but it was fully ruptured or partially. It was fully ruptured, I believe. Oh, partial, partial. Um, I read. I read on Mike Puma was about a familiar Diaz. It can't be any worse than last year. But I know. Well, that's uh, with, the Mets, you, with the Mets. You never know. I know. <laughs> well, you don't know with the Mets, but you're right. It, it can't be any worse than last year because Diaz blew so many games for them that I believe, in in my math, he single handedly kept them out of the the wild card spot last year. So it can't be any worse than that, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. All right, I'll talk to you <laughs> as the season goes. As the season begins. All right, Kevin. I, I look forward to it. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I mean. Batances, I think is good. I think Batances is the most intriguing out of all the Mets bullpen options. I think that Batances really has something to prove here. I think, you know, he was good with the Yankees, and I think that he's going to be that that piece that that the Mets need, and he's going to be that like like the bandage, like the the safety net in a, in a way for that bullpen, because Edwin Diaz, we don't know what he's going to be, and and we talked about it on here in in weeks past that. He clearly, he didn't feel comfortable pitching in New York. And he thought, he said, the context of the injury was that he was going to really embrace Car- having Carlos Beltran to help help him with that. And, well, then Carlos Beltran uh, was shown the door. So Luis Rojas is in charge. But there is some fam- familiarity, at least at that point, um, between the two. So um, Diaz, I'm not so sure. But Betances, I think, you'd have to think he's, he's going to be roaring back. And another player that you, you would think would be roaring back after a year and a half would be Yoenis Cespedes. 
He's posted these hype videos. He's posted, you know, him. I, I didn't buy it too much into him taking like that soft toss or that, that you know, the lob tossing thing because it didn't show where the ball landed. It saw it showed him swinging at it, but it didn't show where it landed. Did it land at shortstop? I mean, come on. So until you get to see him, I hate these these videos that these guys post all on their own at home. They're like, oh, look at me swinging off a tee. Look at me. No, you got to get into the actual competition with your actual MLB club, with actual equipment and all that to see where you're at and to see how you stack up against your teammates. But if you want to assess, but it's just back and ready to roll for the Mets, which I think you, I anticipate he will be since it's his contract year. And obviously he's not ready to retire, so he's going to be playing for a new contract, whether that be with the Mets or not. For that reason, I think he's going to be highly motivated to do well. That's just my opinion. More of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on the fan, and he is Marco Belletti. It won't be long until another season of Yankees baseball is underway. Our first spring training games from Florida are February 22nd and 23rd as the Bombers take on the Blue Jays and Rays. John Sterling and Susan Waldman will bring you all the play-by-play here on your flagship station for the New York Yankees. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Wake up, everybody. Wake it up! I'm Danielle McCartney here on The Fan till 6 a.m. This is wake-up music here, everybody. All right. So we've had um, we've had a lot of calls tonight about a lot of different things. There are a lot of topics on the table, one of which being something that we just had talked about. Someone on, on my Facebook, Bob Redman, says, uh, he says, I agree. And it's facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. He says, I agree. I'm a big Yankees fan. I went to City Field for the first time last year. And was totally impressed by the stadium. And I wrote back, as an avid baseball stadium visitor myself, I didn't want the Yankees to rebuild. Lost the charm. And as you guys know, by now I hope, that I am on a quest to go to all the stadiums. I am, I think at 19 or 20. I forget. I gotta, I gotta look back. Um, but I, I, lo- I just love the stadiums that, one, are very open, like City Field. And I like the ones that have roofs, I've, I've found. Like... I like the Diamondback Stadium a lot, and I like the Brewers Stadium a lot, actually. And that's, like, never at the top of anyone's list. Coors Field, totally underwhelming for me. Um, but anyway, that's a topic for another day. Uh, let's hit some calls. 877-337-6666. Let's go to East Rockaway. Mike, you're on the fan. Danielle, top of the morning. What's up, Mike? I took your advice. I'm on that app in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Kakalaki. Oh, yeah? How is it? I was working fine, you know, working fine. Well, you had me on regular uh, radio last week, which I was telling my parents before. That That's that's pretty cool. I'm still getting it. As soon as I'm, you know, I'm right by the ocean, I can pick up the signal. Mm-hmm. So it's late about 7 o'clock, but uh, I got to tune you in because I'll tell you, um, I did touch base with the general manager on an email. I said you should really find a spot for Danielle overnight. Wow. You know, you're like, uh, you give everybody a fair shake, you know? Um, well, and, and that's what I respect and everything else. I mean, the um, callers, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the point. That's the yeah. point of this. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I thought it was a reunion earlier in the show, Danielle, uh, Bergen County people calling up and this and that it was funny. Man. I know. Yeah. He said he was from Bergenfield. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, uh, you know, talk about a few things. Um, 
The XFL, that, that's a nice gig for you, too. That'll look good on your resume. Oh, I, I was flipping the dial yesterday, um, and, you know, that should be interesting, you know, uh, as far as that goes. But uh, long-time Met fan, and I'm going to be going to Port St. Lucie next month. Uh-huh. Um, and what's going on with the Mets, you know, we don't have to uh, repeat it, but I will for some people who are just, you know, they got the George Steinbrenner uh, glasses on. Um, uh, Cohen, that thing fell apart. With the Wilpons, who the hell knows what's going to happen next? You know, maybe they're both control freaks, but uh, that organization is still uh, media mediocrity. And let's hope, you know, they stay healthy. And you uh, also said about Patanzas. That's going to be a key for the, for the Mets bullpen. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I don't know, but we've spoken about it. Other good hosts have too, Danielle. You know, you talk about the steroid people and PEDs. Mm-hmm. I hope they never get in. But this issue... You know, if, if no one ever played ball like you did and I did, the toughest thing to do in sports is hit a round ball mm-hmm. with a round bat. Correct. So if you'll get an indication that you know what pitch is coming, well, that's like batting practice. It's absolutely more advantageous to, to know what's coming and when oh, well. than to be on steroids. Absolutely. You know, and I think they should be penalized, and they will be. This whole thing is a tsunami of, of controversy, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Um, and when Hench, I heard that interview, uh, what's he going to come up with? Crocodile tears and he's choking back oh, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come the on, voice man. cracks. Come on. Come on, man. I mean, really, get real. You know, you were you were in charge of an organization, a manager, and they should clean house with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, for the Astros. The last thing, Danielle, uh, I missed my assignment that you gave me about a month ago. <laughs> with uh, the Animal Kingdom and <laughs> Cespedes. Well, I'm going to have to take some late points off, all right? Okay, I appreciate it. Um, but I will make it a point to, to go to uh, his ranch. And if I see him, I'll say, listen, uh, are you healthy? Do you chase wild boars or do wild boars chase you? Mm. Get in shape. Let's play some ball. And, you know, we haven't seen you in a long time. And your salary was cut. But, uh, you know, get it together and play some ball. And I'm looking forward to baseball because as far as the, the Knicks go and, and what we went through with the New York football teams, it can't come quick enough. You know, popcorn, peanuts, Cracker Jacks. Yeah, you that's right. Well, Mike, I always appreciate the call every week. Thank you so much. And I'm going to be on twice this coming weekend, Saturday night and Sunday night. So I'll make it a point to tune in. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Danielle. Thanks again. And let's go to Westchester. Justin, you're on the fan. Good morning, Daniel. How are you? I'm good, Justin. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, congratulations on the spot with the Guardian. Oh, I thank you. awesome. Thanks. Are you going to be on the field tomorrow? I don't know where they're going to have me. Maybe, possibly. I'm not sure. That's awesome. That's great. If you see Coach Harmon, tell him I said hello. Okay, I will. Justin from Westchester says hello. Uh Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as baseball goes, I mean, you know, it seems like the information is now coming out. Trick in you know trickling out more and more here here and there. We're still waiting on you know uh, <clears throat> the Red Sox to see what happened there. But I, you know AJ Hinch's apology wasn't good enough for me. It no. kind of made me feel like you know he just it was matter of fact like oh I have to apologize so let me just throw it out. It there. was rehearsed. Didn't right? you think all all those it, questions oh, were sent to him beforehand and he oh, just was rehearsing absolutely. his answers? Come on, absolutely no no question. I feel like we were robbed. You know, as fans of the game, the integrity of baseball is shot completely now. And the commissioner with, you know, 
what they, you know, if you look at what they did to Frank McCourt, and they took the Dodgers away, and then the Wilpons get caught in this in this scandal with Madoff, and they're allowed to keep the team, and now they can't even sell the team. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's just so mess for, for what's going on there. <laughs> and then they're like, well, all right, you know, we're gonna we're gonna find the Astros five million dollars because that's pretty much what what all, all we can do based on whatever's in the CBA. I guess. Right. Right. But. They grossed over $70 million just from winning the World Series. And even though they fired the coach and the general manager, and they had a problem during the playoffs with the assistant general manager, mm-hmm. I mean, what a nightmare. Complete disaster. Right. And for the, for, you know, now that you hear this about, you know, was in the front office, you have to wonder, is, the, is ownership, what, what responsibility do they bear for this? Because if they only have to pay a $5 million fine, after grossing seventy million from winning, that's that's a drop in the bucket. That's not even. It's like, go do it again. We're just, you know, no big deal. You can make it, make the money, and you'll make it back. Right. There's no in, there's no incentive okay. not to. Right. Zero incentive not to. Just like the Pete Rose situation, you know, Tennessee Mount Landis all those years ago did the right thing. He banned banned those guys from baseball, and you know, even though Chewis Joe was acquitted in court of law, he's banned from baseball, and you know, for 60 years or whatever it was, mm. nobody got caught betting on baseball until Pete Rose. And now the players in this that are caught up in this, they haven't suffered at all. Right. It, you know, it's not like they vacated the wins like they do in college. So the precedent has been set, right? Like, the college did the right thing with, uh, you know, uh, Penn State or uh, was it Ohio State? Who, you know, all these teams that have been in trouble, they get their, their wins vacated. Everything is, you know, taken away from them. You can't crown a new champion because that's not fair either, but at least go after these guys. I mean, they have the players' union. They should be fined the prorated rate for the 40-man roster. They were all, they're all guilty of it. Yeah, and they are. they got away scot-free. It's not going to affect anything that they do. Right, and, and inc- including the Hall of Fame in the future. Absolutely. Well, they should be, considering what they've done to the Starlight guys, and, I, you know, look, those guys are guilty of doing whatever it is they did, but the sports writers knew what was going on. Let's be let's be honest. They, and, I, and I love Joe Torrey, but you know Torrey, Cox, and Larusa all got voted into the Hall of Fame, and those guys managed some serious guys that were on steroids. Let's I mean let's it, it, everybody knows that. So these players are suffering as they should for their part in what they did. Eventually, they should be you know. Guys have come through and they'll probably vote them into the Hall of Fame. They deserve to be in it. If everybody was on steroids, that's just my opinion, then what does it matter? They, they were Hall of Famers before, they're Hall of Famers after. But these guys, what they did, like you just said before, knowing what pitch is coming is is way bigger advantage than steroids. You know, steroids, you hit the ball farther. Okay, you hit it harder. But if you know what pitch is coming, I mean, come on. Maybe that's why Chapman was smiling when. That's what I said. Yeah, I said that. Yeah. I said that the, the two weeks ago. I said maybe that's why he smiled because because and, he, he he knew that he knew what was coming. Yeah, I agree. He, right, and and he probably was like, "Was nothing I can do." You know, so, right, right, you know, exactly, but, right. And I hope I hope to God that the Yankees are you know because they hired Beltran as a special advisor. I I want to believe the Yankees are above that, but the Yankees, you know. Uh, because we went through the steroid era, you know, I'm not naive. I'm not going to say, oh, you can just do it. But if they have to get investigated for them to be cleared, so be it. But I will say that overall, 
the integrity of baseball is shot. And I'm, you know, I'm upset because I, you know, as a father, I lose the opportunity to share that with my son if the Yankees win a World Series. Right. And so did the Dodgers fans. You know, I, I feel for them too because I love the sport. It's my favorite sport. It always will be. I love playing. I, you know, I wish I could have been a pro. I would give my right arm to come back and play baseball for one day. Right. But these guys have absolutely, and the commissioner's going to step up here. You know, he, he needs to be more, he needs to be out there. He right. needs to, to prove that the integrity of the game is important to him going forward and get rid of these guys or, or punish them or something. It can't just be, well, we're finding $5 million and some draft picks. And, Justin, thanks for calling you. And some draft picks in there. It's just Rob Manfred, I believe, hasn't really stepped up to the plate. No pun intended there. He should have been issuing lifetime bans for for, for Cora and Hinch and Lunau and Beltran. And, and you talk about the Hall of Fame, and we just mentioned the Hall of Fame on that call, Justin. Um, you know who's going to be up for the Hall of Fame before anybody else is? Let me tell you. His name is Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran is going to be up for Hall of Fame vote before any of the any of these guys, Correa, Altuve, anybody. I would be, I would be, I would love to see what kind of vote he gets after all of this. After after all of this, after being so involved in this that he's named in the report, after being fired from his managerial position from the Mets. I mean, there there's no way, right? And there's just no way. And you got to think. That, you know, it, there's, there's, okay, so you get a, basically what amounts to a slap on the wrist. I mean, I think that the players should absolutely be investigated. And, okay, the players union, okay, I get it. But you know what? It, it, it's calling into the count the integrity of the game. And if that means outing somebody that, that has compromised it to this extent, then so be it. I mean, as a pitcher, you want to be facing somebody that knows what's coming, when it's coming? Absolutely not. Right? Absolutely not. And guess what? We looked out here a couple weeks ago. The Astros' first away series. Guess who it's against? Mike Fires' Athletics. They're going to be playing in Oakland versus Mike Fires' Athletics. Their first. That's absolute much-watch baseball. Must watch baseball. I will stay up on, on the West Coast time and watch that game just to see what happens. Because obviously Mike Fires was the whistleblower um, from the Astros that is now playing on the Athletics. So, and and the other thing is this: that was the the investigation of what the 2017 season. What about 18? What about 19? When all these players are, 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 are it's clear as day wearing. Wearable technology. You've seen it. You've seen the videos. You've seen it. Why is there not a second investigation brought upon with this new evidence into those players individually? Right? And at that point, you could correct yourself by saying, okay, you're going to face a lifetime ban, Jose Altuve, unless you rat out the other guys. And then if he rats out the other guys, he's suspended a certain amount of time. That's the only way. And then you have to, a great suggestion was by a listener. I forget who, who exactly it was. I think it was uh, John in Hasbro Heights, I think. He said, hit him, more luck, hit him in the luxury tax. D- d- despite the, the, the draft picks and all that, 
hit them in the luxury tax because that helps impedes their ability to to get some um, big ticket dudes. And again, the players union can't even get involved in that, et cetera, et cetera. But there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a more stringent way because right now there really is no incentive to not do it. Slap on the wrist. They get to keep their ring and their title. Come on. More your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. If you're holding on, if you're holding on, I promise I will get to you, of course, always. I'm Danielle McCartan in the morning on The Fan. Make sure you're listening to the Afternoon Show with Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, tomorrow at 2. It's spring training week. Pitchers and catchers are finally reporting. We'll talk Yankees. We'll talk Mets, plus our thoughts on the first round of XFL games. It's the Afternoon Show right here on The Fan, Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. I'm easy like Sunday morning. That is the Pat Boyle special, the Sunday morning special. Pat's doing a great job tonight taking your calls, and this is going to be the last chance for you guys to get aboard. About 15 minutes of show left. You know the number, 877-337-6666. We are almost packed. We have four out of the five lines. Um, uh, let, let, let's just get right to them. Before we were talking about baseball stadiums, and I said that I root or I rank City Field higher than Yankee Stadium. And uh, let's go to Martin. Is it Guilford, Connecticut? Is that how I say it right? Yes, you did. All right. So, Martin, what do you got for me tonight? Well, even though I hate saying there's a better stadium than Dodger Stadium, mm-hmm. have, you ever been to, have you ever been to Pittsburgh? Not yet. I'm going in April. Me and my dad are taking a little trip out there in April. You are not going to believe how cool that is. Really? And if, if you haven't bought your tickets yet, get on the left field side okay uh left field yeah. like uh, in the outfield or like third base side? uh no no third third base side okay. i'm sorry okay. behind, behind whatever behind the visitors dugout okay then you get an amazing view into the city over the river it's just you have the fields right on top of the bulk of the stadiums right on top of the field it's amazing okay good good to know um, thanks we'll do that and, for sure and listen a follow-up on the conversations you've been having lost in all the shuttle here shuffle here is kershaw who had a great game one and pitched a couple scoreless game seven, and lo and behold, gives up seven runs in five innings in, at Houston. Yeah, I wonder how. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just infuriating. Yeah, I know. Believe me, I know. All right. Take care, Danielle. Well, Martin, thanks for the call. And, and Dodger Stadium is, uh, I've been to Dodger Stadium. It's cool. It's it's very cool. It's, it's like separate. Outside L.A., you got to drive up this hill to get there. I, I, it's cool. It was like built into the side of like a mountain, and they have like all the when you, I took I did the tour, and they show you how they did it and excavated it and all that. And it's pretty cool. Dodger Stadium is pretty cool. It's very very retro. It hasn't really been updated, and and I kind of like that. I also like the old look, and hate to say it, but I really enjoyed Fenway Park for that reason. Bob and Syasa, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Uh, I figured I'd call you. I, I enjoy listening to you in the morning. I know you kind of new to the station, but uh, it's a nice listen. So, well, but yeah, I was I was just wanted to talk a little baseball, if possible. I mean, I was reading Newsday today, and they have a nice intro to the season. I'm glad they started it early because they talk about the Mets and the Yankees a lot, yeah. and they have a breakdown of all the teams with their managers and the new players and the players that are gone. Cool. And so, I like follow baseball. I like to follow every team, not just the Yankees. And the Mets. And I was just wondering, um, uh, a couple of opinions for you. Uh, who, do you do you like baseball like number one, or do you have a ranking of sports that you like in order? Uh, and do you would you go for the DH or not the DH? Oh, that's a good question. And Bob, but I'll hang up so you can listen. So um, I, I I probably put like baseball one A and football one B. 
basketball, probably two, hockey, three. And, you know, that that's how I see that. But um, the DH rule, I think it's about time that that uh, the NL will adopt the DH rule. It's about time. I mean, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a really true baseball fan, you do not want to see a pitcher up there with a bat in his hand looking like an idiot. I'm sorry. Running the bases, getting hurt running the bases, and then they can't pitch, and that's a bigger issue. So, yes, it's about time that the the NL jumps on the, the, the DH rule. It's about time. I mean, come on. What are they waiting for? I, I don't understand what they're waiting for. It's just going to take one huge injury for everybody to jump on and say it, right? Of course. I mean, so I think the NL should absolutely adopt a DH rule, and I think the Mets have a really good one. If they were to do it uh, soon, Robinson Cano. Mets are poised. Maybe Brody Van Wagen knows what he's doing after all. Jimmy in Staten Island, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you this morning, hon? I'm good. Listen, how are you? Listen, Danielle, i got to tell you, I, I, I was listening to the Astros and their punishment and all that. What a joke. Yep. I mean, first of all, forget about the rings and giving back the rings, Danielle. It's much deeper than that. Yep. These guys, you know, they get paid according to their stats. And people pay money in the stands according to what they're watching and what kind of team is on the field. They've been robbing the public for you know how long already? These been- guys go up there. They know what's coming. They hit 330 homers, 100 RBIs, get paid 10 to $20 million a year. And then the fans turn around. they got to pay for that. And, the, and, and the last caller, too, just about Kershaw. I mean, they're taking money out of pitchers' pockets, too. But, Danielle, you know what's really funny? is how do you look at these guys again? Now, let's say they don't cheat this year, which they shouldn't after what just happened. Yeah, but like you said, shouldn't. there was no incentive. <laughs> right. There's no incentive not to. Right. But let's say this guy now, Altuve, turns around and he hits 240 and hits uh, 15 homers. What are you supposed to think after that? I mean, does, <laughs> how much does Altuve make? And all these other guys, Correa and all these guys, forget about the rings. They should be banned for life. Mm. All of them. The coal deal shouldn't have went through. How's that? It's it's ridiculous. And oh. and to be honest with you, as far as the Mets, the Mets may have really stepped into it this time because I think this guy Rojas is the real deal. I I think he's going to be good with these guys. So what do you think, Danielle? Give me your opinion. I love listening to you. Hey, Jimmy, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I, as far as the coal deal should not have gone through, I, I'm not sure how involved Garrett Cole was since this was a, a batter's thing. And as you know, in the AL, batters don't. I mean, pitchers don't bat. So I'm not really sure how how affected Garrett Cole is in all of this, really, to be honest. So uh, I disagree with that part. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I forget the other part that that you had asked. Um, but I, I I don't know. I just think the punishment was a slap on the wrist, lifetime. Oh, Luis Rojas. I actually think Luis Rojas is the real deal as well. And I think the Mets are going to get lucky with that. And there was one other thing that I wanted to. I know I have a different audience than I did at 2 a.m. And I just wanted to make one point because if if this blows up. You heard it here first because it came out of my own mind. It, it didn't come up at anybody else. It came out of my own mind. So next time you, you hear on the fan this, I will tell you that, and I'll keep it very short, that the Mets, based on the calculation, are worth about $3.25 billion, right? The same week that the deal fell through with Cohen and the Mets, guess who sold off $3.5 billion of stock? Jeff Bezos, you know, Amazon. In the same week that the Mets deal fell through, he took out just enough money to cover the cost of the Mets and a little extra. Yeah, yeah. 
I know this this isn't really far-fetched because in November he said that he wanted to buy an NFL team. Well, maybe he'll cut his teeth as an owner in the MLB. Or maybe he's just going to buy both. He can. But in case you hear that, it came here. You heard it here first, everybody. I just wanted to get that out there. Charlie and Suffern, you're on the fan. Hi, good morning. A um, couple things. Uh, in terms of parks, uh, uh, being a Red Sox fan, uh, Fenway is my all-time favorite. Yep. But I agree with you. Um, a couple times that I've been to Shea Stadium, it's, that is a really, really great park. And I would say it uh, coming off the heels of the old Yankee Stadium, obviously for the, fr- for the wrong reasons as a Red Sox fan, when that place was humming, mm-hmm. to me, that was just that was the ultimate in baseball. Again, even though if, 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 the, if the crowd was cheering, it was because something you know, great was happening with uh, the Yankees at the time over the Red Sox. But what a great place. When that place was full and rocking, it was, to me, it was the ultimate. I know. Um, the in, new in, one in, is in not the of, same. Yeah. In terms of this whole stealing thing, I called a couple years ago when uh, I think it was Richard Neer got into – you know, is it okay for a runner on second base to be telegraphing signs into the batter? Yes. And I was like, but my goodness, why not? Right. If a, if a player is clever enough to figure out the sign, communicate it to the batter. And get on second base to, to begin with. Yeah, and to get on second base to begin with. And to think that this whole thing has gone from this to Altuve being mic'd up uh, and now now management appears to be into this. It's right. really insulting. And not just really Altuve. Insulting. Not just Altuve. There are others that you've seen it on others. Not just him. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, being a Red Sox fan, glad the core is gone. And um, I'm just, uh, you know, waiting, uh, you know, not, not feeling too good about it, that, that something's going to come down up there. But you know what? You got you, you got to get rid of this because sitting in the stands, it, it, ain't, it isn't going to be fun. Yeah, and, and watching at home isn't going to be fun either. Charlie, thanks for that. And you know when you think, uh, and I've said it before. I think I said it every single week. The steroid users only, I mean, it only gets you so far, right? Because if you if you get a piece of the ball, it's going to fly. If you're a steroid user, I get it. But if you know, if you know for one hundred percent certainty that a slider is coming. Either you're going to let it go, or if you like that pitch, you're going to swing at it. If you know for certainty that a fastball is coming, you, you're you sitting dead red. Your weight is on your back foot, your back leg, and you are driving your hips through that ball and crushing it. It's way worse. Way worse. And now, like I've been saying, next time someone crushes a ball or lays off a really close borderline pitch, you're going to question to yourself, hmm, did they know it was coming? Did they know? And the only way to do that is to change the way it's being done. My suggestions are, one, give an earpiece to the, to the pitcher and the catcher. And two, make all the replays, like the XFL, come from uh, one uh, point, one uh, unbiased point, one person that works for the league that initiates all replays. That's the way it's going to have to be. Peter in Queens, you're on the fan. Yeah, good morning, Coach. Good morning. Love the show. Well, thank, thank you. Always, uh... I just want to say, um, City Field is beautiful. It is. Nice place to go. The mess on mess, but the field, that ballpark is beautiful. That's all I have to say. 
Yeah, well, Peter, you are a fan of City Field, and thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's just, it is. It's a beautiful ballpark. I, I also love the open airness about it. I just wish it just wasn't so far from North Jersey. You know, how, how many bridges? And to get there for a 7 o'clock game on a Friday, you, you forget about it. You might as well just fly there. <laughs> I don't know. Jeff in Jersey City, you might be the last caller of the night. What do you got for me? All right, Daniel. I love your show. Thank uh, you. And good luck with the the, the new football league. Uh, Thank you. Uh, a few quick comments. Um, I'd like you to respond to if you can when I finish. Uh-huh. Uh, first, good luck with the job, of course. Thanks. Thank and you. And I'll be still comments. Um, I like you. I like retractable uh, dome stadiums. They're cool. Because yeah. um, as we're heading to the start of the season, you know, how many cancellations with the dome retractable stadiums, right. no cancellation because snow or rain, right. not cold, all that kind of thing. And I'm not disappointed about Cohen and the Mets because, Danielle, I never believed it right from the start. I just never committed my thought, my emotion to that. I never, ever believed it. I'm not disappointed now. I don't care about it. it it's not, not a part of my problem right now. And the Knickerbockers, uh, you talked to the guy before, I have. I like James Dolan. He paid uh, actually for uh, the memorial at Radio City for David Stern. He's not cheap. Um, I don't want him to hire this uh, uh, this Rose guy like Van Ragnan, a player agent. Mm-hmm. He's a goon. Um, Van Ragnan's definitely a goon. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like that kind of hire. Um, I want him to hire Mark Jackson, who knows basketball, the past, the present, the future. I think he can bring a title to the Knickerbockers. And I would also like, uh, kind of like, I would like um, Dolan to have um, a Pat Riley night at the Garden. He's one of my favorites. Um, he revitalized the franchise when he came to uh, Madison Square Garden. He's one of my favorites up there with Clyde, Willis, uh, Red Holtzman. And, um, you know, he just turned the franchise around instantly. And he had one player, Patrick Ewing. He got all the rest of the players. He went across the street to the post office. He got John Starks, Mason. Uh, you know, in other words, he just breeded uh, good and 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 um, uh, you know uh, developed these players. And he really had that winning. I mean, they were they were the terrors of the league, and they were just fun to watch. Um, and like you, I uh, was on the uh, losing side of the Super Bowl. San Francisco, they they did dominate the game for three quarters they just forgot to play uh the fourth quarter (laughs) well jeff on that (laughs) well thank you i appreciate the call jeff and and on that we will close the show jeff thank you for closing down the show on jeff from jersey city thanks to all the callers could not have done it without you including you jeff i love coming here talking to you all sorry i had to let you go there jeff but thanks again to john schmelk wfan's nick blogger and he stayed up late tonight host of wfan's bank shot nick's podcast covers the giants for giants.com he stayed up late and uh, great job to Pat, as always, and also Marco on the updates. Bob Salter's up next. Mark it down. See you guys both Saturday morning and early Sunday morning next week, 2 to 6 a.m. On, uh, on the fan. And by the way, I did see Patrick Ewing one time in Paramus at Best Buy. That's a story for next week. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCarr. And let's keep that conversation going. See you next week. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. The fan!